You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! right the boy is back in town for another episode of the x-man podcast thank you so much for checking out the program i'm doc Coyle. it's been a week guys kind of a little uh i wouldn't call it a meltdown just a a breakdown yeah it was a little breakdown you know we just kind of i was kind of talking about last week how i was doing a little too much and i think it all came to a head last week and I just, uh, yeah, just hit like a hit a wall emotionally, kind of had some depression, had some anxiety, kind of everything kind of hit me. And, uh, you know, it's tough. It's tough out there. And, it, and the, you know, the thing is, chemically, I, I don't generally have those issues. I'm pretty level headed and I felt great lately. I've been doing I've been doing well, you know, very busy. But I get I kind of realize I get kind of addicted to productivity and uh just I get excited by ideas. Well, let's do this and let's do that. You know, and I get I get I get wrapped up in it, and uh, that's what kind of happened. So I had to kind of, you know, I was working like I wasn't working, but I just had to just ease off the gas pedal a little bit, and uh, you know, I got through. felt felt good coming out the end of the weekend, and I, I feel good now. You know, despite you know, you know, I kind of have my every ever since I started this diet, I kind of have like okay. I like hang out on this day and I like chill out on this day and I eat a lot of food, you know, and I kind of, so yesterday's my cheat day. So it's, you know, it's a little, you it's like coming out of a little bit of a, a daze, but I'm all right. But, you know, just kind of seeing my own personal little meltdown. I've, I've been seeing everyone else's out there, you know, and kind of, kind of what caused me to have a little spiral was just this whole kind of conspiracy thing going on with, uh, with just human beings right now. It's uh, it's been pretty tough, and I don't really know how to think about it because I think it's actually in some ways the most dangerous element of modern times is that you know you you, you look at what's happened with America with uh, COVID, and no matter how you feel about it, you know we're clearly going in the wrong direction in terms of progress on that issue, and then that's affecting all these other things like school openings and my business touring and things like that, maybe not being able to come back as soon as we hoped because we weren't able to galvanize each other and get on the same page, you know, for a short amount of time and, you know, government wise and public health wise, it's just, it's just, it's very complex. And, um, 
it's just been very disheartening to see. I, I, I just see every, every now and again, it's like, you know, I don't know if you guys ever watched that show called The Leftovers. That was on HBO. Not that people watch it, so I don't, you know, it's kind of a deep cut. Very good show, but uh, basically it's like Avengers Endgame, like half the people disappear. And I think on the show it wasn't even half. It might have been like, you know, a third or 20%. But anyway, like people just disappeared and they thought it was the rapture and it like completely disrupted society. And there was this like cult that got formed uh, with, you know, that people would stop talking, wear white and just like go around smoke and be, be just general weirdos. But they were, it was very nihilistic, you know, and it got me thinking about, about really difficult times. Cause this is, I think, um, really uncontroversially the, the most difficult time that's consistently difficult in our, in my lifetime. You know, and and you probably have to go back to something like the Great Depression, you know, or the, you know, uh, was it the the Dust Bowl? (laughs) I mean, you know, really, really tough times that that lasted a long time because this is going to, this is affecting us in so many ways. I have friends moving out of Los Angeles, you know, people that are, you know, if you're in the, you know, the service industry is the number one industry in this country in terms you know used to be you know used to be the industrial you know in manufacturing now it's service and all that economy is is essentially evaporated and so the big the bigger the problem the the kind of more it offsets people um and so in many ways it's it's, it's understanding or understandable excuse me but it's but no no less disheartening and, I, and I've, I've i've one friend i've gotten some deep debates about this and you know and they're and they're coming at coming at me with everything you know it's you know <laughs> you know bill gates is they're you know they're gonna make you take the vaccine so that you you know you they put microchip you and then you're sterilized and i'm just like it's just it's exhausting because it, it was here's you don't realize like every time someone else has a conspiracy idea and then you're debating them, you actually have to go and then look up the conspiracy to see if it's real or not. Like you actually, like in your, your heart, you know, you know, you, cause you kind of just, you know, common sense. You're like, well, it's another way it can real. It sounds pretty bullshit. And you look up it, and then it's debunked fairly quickly, but it is time consuming. And I was thinking about it. I was like, you know what it is? It's just that most people just don't have the time. You know, I, I, I subscribe to New York times and Washington post and I barely have time to read just the, the little summary email every day or all these articles I have, I want to read and I just kind of don't get around to it. And I just think most people just don't have time to figure out what is real. So they just kind of throw their hands up in the air. And that's, uh, it's like old, like Russian tactic, you know, Soviet tactic of, of creating not misinformation, but disinformation, just, just making the, the whole water muddy so that people don't really know what's true. And it's um, unfortunately it comes from the top down, and we we like not we don't like to think these things are that one to two, and maybe maybe it isn't that direct, but um, but people do have influence, and it only takes a little bit, you know. And it's unfortunate we can't agree on just some simple basic things. It's very scary. I think, you know, I think about problems in the past that our country has solved that under today's environment, I don't think we'd we'd be able to sur- survive, you know. So. I'm trying to be positive, but um, at the moment, your boy's a little beat down uh, <laughs> in terms of positive energy. But I'm I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try because you can't uh, heal the world. 
like Michael Jackson said, you can only kind of deal with the people around you. And I think if you do have someone who's in that state of mind, you have to remember, don't alienate them. Don't mock them. Just be there for them because it's usually there's something else going on and try not to be too judgmental. Like it's hard for me not to be judgmental in terms of how they got to that place. And, you know, but you, but you have to keep them in the circle or else they're going to go further down that, that hole, you know, cause it's usually related to some other issue emotionally I've noticed anyway, shout out to all those people, you know, the conspiracy, but I like a good conspiracy, you know, just as long as people don't show up at pizza places with fucking rifles, then it's all fun and games. Right. Anyway, what else is going on? You know, I, I had a call to arms last week, you know, to, uh, Y'all hit hit up the .co web store. You know, I, I had a couple orders. You know, and I, I and I threatened violence. You know, straight chest slapping. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, guys. Um, you know, y'all did not seem to fear fear being slapped in the chest. You're like, no, we're under quarantine. I can see that dude. So, so you might be right. Okay, uh, maybe fear doesn't work. <laughs> Um, but no, actually overall my, the shirt's moving fast. I have like half the amount of shirts I had when I started. So things are moving, things are happening. Um, and thank you guys who, who did, who did buy a shirt. I I really appreciate it. And yeah, check out the web store. Got some new guitar picks up there made by Dunlop, my guitar pick company. Check that out. Um, I also, I said it on the end of last show, but I should at least mention it this time around. I joined a web show called last words, which is run by a website called The Pit, and it's wearethepit.com. And basically, uh, I have two other co-hosts, uh, Katie and Jordan, and we basically talk about the metal news of the week, what's going on, what albums came out, metal stories, you know, the whole shebang bang, and it's really fun. So it's on YouTube. You can check it out. Just go to the wearethepit.com. I think it comes out Thursdays. Yes, I think that is correct. I like how it come with my information all handy. Um, you know what I'm going to do, guys? I'm going to talk about this week's show sponsor. And this week's show is once again brought to you by War Machine Marketing. Yes, friend of the show, Ro Coley. He used to do street team for Roadrunner Records and marketing for Century Media. And now he has this company. Uh, and don't let the marketing confuse you too much. It's mainly branded merchandise for all budgets, for your band, for your brand. They got the stuff for you. And he, he hit me up. He's like, listen, Doc, I can tell you about these new items I got. So what he's been doing a lot lately is PPE uh, wear. You know, so they do masks, gloves, antibacterial items. You got to keep in mind. This is the stuff we need to kind of reopen schools. And even if we start doing shows again, we're probably going to be masked up. So wouldn't it be nice to do that and get your band's print name printed on that or some antibacterial stuff with your band's name on it? So you should definitely hit them up. And keep in mind, they do all kinds of stuff. They do, if you need items for pre-sales, web stores, tour merchandise, custom items, they got you covered. And they also do personalized custom action figures, which I've seen in person, and it is very, very, very amazing. They have t-shirts. They can make you a backdrop. And, you know, the prices are, are very competitive and they're all about customer service. So they've worked with people like Queens of the Stone Age, Foo Fighters, the Whiskey O'Go-Go in Hollywood, Stern Pinball, IGN, American Heart Association, and many more. Please check out their website, warmachinemarketing.com or drop row an email at row at warmachinemarketing.com. Remember, that's R-O, War Machine Marketing, merch is your weapon. And this week, guys, we actually do not 
have a band sponsor. But what I am going to do is I'm going to play a song and then I'm going to tell you about it afterward. So that way you can't prejudge it, right? It's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty tight. All right. Check it out. A little, it's a, it's a kind of a pop song. So it's a little bit of a different feel. So, you know, don't, don't skip it. All right. Be nice. Don't, Hey, don't fuck up in here. Be nice. My head's been everywhere, miles in, and still no chance of sleep. Running every word a thousand times as if I could change them. My words are echoes, they stir within without good meaning. It's like there's two of me, the one that speaks and one that's not sleeping.
So that track was entitled Warrior. And believe it or not, it was recorded and written by my girlfriend, Jasmine. Jasmine Conti, yes. And, uh, you know, I played it because, one, I just think it's an amazing, amazing song. And uh, it was uh, produced, and I don't know if Sahaj co-wrote on it, but, you know, he, he's, he's very involved. Uh, Sahaj Ticketon, uh, X-Men alumni from the band Ra, amazing singer, songwriter, guitar player, producer, worked with so many different bands. And uh, he worked with Maytal, who also was on the show. And, uh, you know, I feel like this is one of those weeks, you know, like, I think when I'm feeling down, one of the things that makes me feel the best is to do something nice for someone else. And my girlfriend's so talented. Um, yeah, I just want to support her and, you know, play her music for some people that might enjoy it. So, you know, if you're a, you know, a big shot who wants to put on a record label or put that song in your movie or something, <laughs> you know, lend out a, a helping hand or, you know what? Just do something nice for someone else this week. I think that's always a fun thing. You know, when people do something nice for someone, they want to pay back. Say, oh, no, don't pay me back. Just, you know, pay it forward. I, I love that mentality. And it's a great way to 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 cheer you up. So I hope you guys enjoyed the song, even though it wasn't metal or, you know, it's got a little little rock, got some guitars in there. But it's, it's definitely more on the pop side. But I think, you know, a good song is just a fucking good song. Oh, yeah. My girlfriend also is selling these amazing masks. Uh, these, uh, they're kind of like sparkly stuff. I forget what's on them, but people love them. Every time she posts them, they go crazy. Um, so I'll probably post some links to that, even though she's probably too busy. She's, they're too popular. I don't think she can, she can keep up with it. She's doing all kinds of cool stuff. So love you, baby. And she doesn't know I'm doing this. She's in the next room and I'm not telling her that the song's going to be played on here. So it's my little secret. That's right. Well, and if you want to sponsor the show, you know what to do. Hit me up on social media. Drop me an e- email at the xmanpodcast at gmail.com. Remember, that's E-X. And we do have a guest this week. Not a ghost, but a guest. I just watched Poltergeist last last night, so I'm a little, a little ghost mode. But this is a return guest, Mr. Eric German, entertainment lawyer. He represents Bad Wolves and Asking Alexandria and five finger death punch he's you know kind of a kind of a big shot around here but one of my best friends and i think really really one of the you know people in the industry on the rock side of things that really uh you know he's just a he's just he's a thinking man's thinking man if that makes sense he's just uh he's always on the forefront of big concepts and and seeing how this industry is changing and he is privy to just information that you and i aren't and he's involved so i thought it was a really good idea to get him to come back on the show and kind of talk about how this tumultuous time is changing the music industry and how we can evolve and figure things out uh because you have to stay on your feet this this thing is not static and if we're not smart we're all going to get lost in the wind and listen we're all getting affected by this in really really terrible ways but you know i just want to get his perspective on that and uh and yeah i love eric and i and i think you guys are really gonna enjoy this conversation so here's number two podcast number two with my main man this is krista makes guitarist and vocalist for less than jake and host of krista makes a podcast a songwriting podcast where every week i'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing recording and release of one iconic song from their career in our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, 
and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of the Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. I do like the shirtless. Get down! The Wrath of the Buzzard. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and, in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Eric German. So what's going on? Well, you know, um, you're, you're one of the few people, you know, that is, will have multiple appearances on the X-Men show. But I do think it's apropos of the, uh, the, the times we're, we're in. You know, you, you and I are always kind of uh, having these kind of like semi-philosophical quest or conversations trying to kind of dissect where our industry is at any given time, you know, and, and we're, our kind of uh, ways to take that temperature come from very different uh, vantage points, you know. Sure. And, um, and so, and, and, and I always appreciate it because, you know, maybe me and you, maybe we won't speak for, a, you know, a few weeks or a month or something. And it seems like your perspective on things is constantly evolving because you're, seeing kind of the changes happen in real time and you're penetrating new levels of the industry and kind of seeing this, how these other scenes work and genres and kind of seeing how, like, you know, we, we call it an industry, but some areas are way more industrious. For sure. For than, sure. Like, than, yeah. We, I, I spent a lot of time uh, talking to a lot of different people coming from a lot of different perspectives, right? And I'm completely 100% focused and committed to, uh, you know, trying to put the pedal to the metal of my career in the music business, and as are you, right? So you're out there doing things like jamming with Metallica and putting up uh, cool short straw covers with Mike Portnoy and Chris Kale and Phil Demel and stuff like that. And I'm out there cutting deals and, you know, we intersect with each other, uh, A, in your band, and B, as friends, and C, you know, we, like you said, we like to convene, and I'll talk, and I'm always telling, I find that, I hear myself speaking, that I'm always telling a different story. Every time you talk to me, three months later, it's, Doc, here's the 28 things I learned since the last time we spoke, or, Doc, here's the 17 new pieces of perspective I have that are altering what I said last month, last year, or whatever. 
And I don't think there's any shame in that. I think it's called learning. I think it's evolving. I think things change. I think things are changing at an accelerated pace more so than ever before. And I'm constantly, you know, what, what I said today is different than what I would tell you to do in July 2019, which is different than what I'd tell you to do in February 2018 or, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I'm sure whatever we talk about here today is going to be out of date by uh, <laughs> 2021 <laughs> summer. You know what I mean? But Yeah, but that's hey. all good. It's a snapshot in time. For sure. So, you know, one of the, the things I want to talk to you about is essentially – our industry, and really, I mean, all industry, but, I, you know, specifically the entertainment and live performance arena. So this goes beyond music. Obviously, you're talking about uh, plays. Uh, we're talking about sport, live sports entertainment, things like that. Show business, as it were, is basically going to be the last thing to return in its kind of orig original or normal capacity. Um, so we're kind of feeling the brunt, I think, in a, in a different way than maybe some of the other aspects of, of the, the economy. I mean, to you, like, from what you're seeing, like, what, what is the main kind of challenge that you think we're going to be looking at in the next year or so? Well, it depends on who, who is we, right? Yeah. When you say, what is the big challenge? Because as you and I both know, as guys who've been around for a hot minute, we've picked up a few friends, a few, you know, I got guys that are, you know, sell merch uh, for shitty bands that no one cares about, right? And I've got guys that drive buses, and I've got guys that are the CEO of major corporations. I've got guys that are in arena headliner bands, and I've got guys that are hired guns struggling to exist first of four on a House of Blues tour. So we is different. I think of myself as a conduit to many different people up and down the chain, right? As do you, man, because you talk to some of the biggest names in rock and roll, and what, you know, what, what might be good for some of your wedding band cohorts might be different than uh, one of your buddies that you like to get together with on the weekends and talk about the music business, right? And it's just a different thing. But if you ask me for me, what's one of the biggest challenges? I mean, it's literally how many times a day my buzzer rings <laughs> on my door when I'm sitting here trying to have an intense negotiation with somebody telling them, you know, all the crazy things that I'm going to do and all that, and then, oh, sorry, you know, and the dog's barking and my kid comes through and asks daddy where the cookies are in a kitchen in the middle of me trying to be a tough guy. You know what I mean? But you're so, still, you're still working from home. I'm, yeah, fully working from home. Our office, uh, we, we are in big corporate towers over by CAA in Century City. And then we moved in there in March, 2019, really expensive. You've been in the office, mm -hmm. Doc. Pretty nice place, right? And yeah. sometimes I think to myself, if you were going to uh, make a movie and you wanted to have douchey Hollywood uh, music <laughs> industry guy, you might go in one of my comments rooms and look at the window. There's literally the Hollywood sign out the window. By the way, we, I think we I think that we have to do that. Like, we have to put you in a music video where you play, like, a caricature of yourself. Yeah, right. Like, that's, hey, I'm Mr. That's easy enough to do. That's called myself. Right? No, well, no, but like, come on, guys, sign with the dotted line, you know, just you know, play like a, you know, bet, like the Better Call Saul version of Eric German. Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking more like Ari Gold on the Entourage. Right? That too, <laughs> we'll combine them. But anyway, but but we spent a ton of money for that big office, and it, you know, it was a big flashy part of what we were doing, and you know, the giant conference room with the podium and the board meetings and the huge sweeping views. It's all gone, man. I mean, it's there, but no one's there, right? 
Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to go back in early July. We're, you know, but here's, here's what I learned. And we'll go back and everything will be fine. But, you know, there are various challenges that are way above my pay grade in terms of how you put hundreds of people in an office space and elevators and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But a couple, you know, on a good note, I mean, I don't have to commute back and forth to work and I get to be home and I get to be around my family. And while it's corny, you know, my dog's licking my toes while I'm on conference call. And you know what I mean? It's kind of cool, right? And instead of having to go, uh, you know, I can go make some lunch. And what I found was I get a heck of a lot more done when I'm not having to fight traffic and I'm not, uh, you know, it's also all the social stuff that goes away. I don't have to go to somebody's birthday party or I, I don't have to go see this band at the whiskey. <laughs> oh, somebody's in from out of town. I got to go out and do, you know, let's meet this guy for drinks after work. All that's gone. So you know what I do? I work. I'm pouring all that extra time into my bands, my business. It's a little bit obsessive, a little bit unhealthy maybe. But I mean, I'm, I'm loving it. I love what I do. Absolutely. So the challenges are, that work from home environment. While it's pretty great and it's pretty easy to do what I do with a cell phone, a computer, an email address, I could probably go sit on a beach in Tahiti and do this too, right? In fact, I talked to a colleague yesterday that uh, has been in the Dominican Republic the entire time, who's just doing the same work, you know, from a beach in Dominican. And I don't know if they're ever going to come back. Yeah, if you have, if the Wi-Fi is strong, <laughs> exactly. And uh, so. But the challenge is really just uh, there's no separation between home and work life, right? So I will wake up most mornings answering the phone from someone on the East Coast that's calling me. And my work number forwarded to my house, right? And I go to bed usually sending one more text, honey. You know, like, let me, let me shoot off these two more emails, right? You know, and it, yeah, I can take a break in the middle of the day and watch a movie with my wife and kid. Or I can go out for a walk with the dog six times a day. And trust me, the dog is so sick of going for walks with me. She's like, you know, please, please, no more walks, right? But, uh, you know, it's the typical challenges that everybody has. The good news for me is I can do whatever I do from wherever I, I do it. And uh, the real challenge is this economic struggle that so many people that I, I care about are going through. And I don't think they've really felt that bite yet because yeah. I think that people got, uh, you know, SBA, PPP loans and different things and unemployment and this and that. But, you know, we're recording this, can I say, July 11th. And uh, I'm worried about what happens October 11th. And then what happens December 11th? What about February 11th? And some of these touring people are still not working, right? And some of these venues still don't have business in them, you know, things like that. Well, one of the key things I'm seeing is basically for a lot of people, if you're, you know, blue collar, the only things you can do to make money right now is to put yourself in danger, right? It's driving Uber, it's making deliveries, it's going to work at a, you know, a Costco or something like that. So there's almost, I mean, there's, you know, like you and myself are, you know, lucky enough to be, you know, it's funny. I don't, I don't think of, uh, you know, musicians as being like a white collar thing, but there is kind of, you know, there's this whole industry of how people are, you know, like for example, with bad wolves, we're doing like the Patreon thing. Right. And we're creating all this content for that and making money and bringing in revenue that way, which is kind of keeping us afloat as a band. But like I said, that doesn't filter down to like the guy that would be driving our bus 
you know, our crew, our crew members, uh, you know, you go venue or like, you know, we, you know, you might have a guy in your band who maybe he, when he's off the road, he's working at a local venue. Um, maybe he's doing certain things. Whereas for stuff I do, which is kind of multimedia field um, and kind of all these other things that, you know, I'm, like, I, like you, I'm as busy as I've ever been. And I think for, on the artist side of things, especially kind of the bigger you are, this is a really actually an advantageous time because you can really kind of back up, take a look at the next year or so and really like do you can, you know, since we already have fan bases, we use this time we're connecting with our fan base, right? We're doing live streams and we're doing, you know, interactive stuff and finding ways. Like I think in weird way, it's a, it's a, it's an opportunity actually to look at what the fan artist uh, interplay and uh, is actually re-examining what that's about. Cause people tend to think, I think musicians thought their job was to make records and tour. Um, but I'm seeing it completely different. I think the music, obviously you need that. But I think the actual, I think fan interaction is part of your connecting with the people that care about what you do is actually part of your job now. And if you don't do that, you're kind of missing the biggest key. For sure. For sure. You said so many things there. I want to unpack. <laughs> There's five different topics of conversation. Go ahead. Let's go. But, but I'll go, I'll rewind to the beginning. First and foremost, you said it's almost uh, putting people in, 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 at risk, the blue collar people. It's so sad. There's a little bagel shop across the street from where I live, right? Uh, you've probably even seen it before, been around my house. Or anyone, a, lot of, a lot of people who have met with me on the weekends or whatever, I'm like, meet me at the bagel shop. I'm not going to say exactly the bagel shop, but it's a cool place, right? little homey, little local place. I've known these people forever. It's so close to my house. I roll out of the rack on the weekends. My hair's messed up. I'm in my flip-flops. Then I just roll over there and get a cup of coffee instead of my kitchen. It's just about that easy, right? So I talk to these people forever. And, man, it's rough on them. And, like, this, we're open. We're closed. There's riots. You know, my whole block and everything. Mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah right in that whole santa monica uh protest stuff but it's been uh it's been tough on them and i went at early in the pandemic i would go over there and i'd see these people in a bagel shop and they'd have like seven or eight people jammed in a small little space cooking and all on top of each other and i was like yeah that sucks i was like why would you know this is back when everybody was real sweating like it was super locked down right and i'm like why are these people it's like I'm thinking of myself almost a let them eat cake moment. I'm like, uh, why are they here? Why, did, why are you doing this? I almost want to say to the guy, why are you coming to work? And then I go, oh, yeah, because they have to. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Right? So there was that. I wanted to comment on that. But the, uh, with the, you know, I think one of your, um, one of the beautiful things to come out of this is that it is a great reset. It's a giant kind of, it's almost like a sci-fi novel or a philosophical experiment where you try to say, what would happen? You know, it's like an HBO uh, miniseries. What would happen if the entire world stopped for four months and everybody just said, you know what? I'm going to take stock. And I'm seeing one by one, I'm seeing every single person I know. Look at their business, look at themselves, look at their lives, look deep in their heart. Who am I? What's important to me? What do I really care about? What do I need to succeed? What do I want to do with the rest of my life? Mm -hmm. If you're 18, or if you're 12, probably, I don't know, right? 
but or or you're 82. It's it's on. It's time. Like we all had this space, and I I sometimes think I did this because I used to say, "Gosh, could the world please just hold for a month? You know, let me let me get caught up." Good. So you know, it's a, I think years from now, decades from now, it's gonna be, "What did you do with your quarantine?" And people are gonna be thinking, "What did they do?" And what did I do? It's probably, and I know you're a sensitive man, Doc, that's very introspective, so I'm going to get real with you. It's probably some sort of my way of coping. I just said, fuck it. I'm, I'm going hard in the paint. I'm going to use this opportunity to change my station in life. I'm going to really fire my business on all cylinders. I'm going to audit basically every aspect of my business, how I do it, who I do it with, what's important to me, what do I really need, and how can I provide the best service to these clients. And I got to tell you, it's been a wonderful opportunity because my stuff doesn't miss a beat. I, my my firm had excellent IT services and everything. I, I did not miss a beat. And uh, there's nothing else to do anyway. And I'm working from home. And I love what I do. So I just went hard, right? And I just helped everybody. And your manager, one of your managers, Chris, he, he gave me one of the best lines anybody's ever given me. He said, behind every moderately successful band is a shitty clothing line, right? <laughs> and there's a lot of, a lot of shitty clothing lines that got born during these last few months. And guess who every single person you know, every single band guy, who do they want to call? They want to call their lawyer. They got an idea. There's a new thing. There's a new project. There's something like that. So I've had the great perspective of being privy to everyone's idea on how to deal with this. I wake up, I, you know, 12, 14 hours a day, I'm on the phone, one person after another, pacing around my neighborhood with my dog uh, or sitting on my couch or whatever, and I'm talking to, you know, guys in arena-level headliner bands, and I'm talking to managers and agents and bus drivers and merch guys. What's their scene? What's their deal? What's their pivot? What's their thought, right? And helping them and encouraging them it's fun. It's been fun. It's been an incredibly, incredibly privileged position. And it's been super inspiring because what I see is innovation, creativity, hustle, want to try hard. It's awesome. man. and like, we're powerful. And I think this whole experience is allowing a lot of people to realize how easy it is to cut out the middleman on a lot of things, how important it is to control your own destiny and how much you can do as an artist and a brand that people care about, if you just learn how to connect with your fans and, and thankfully technology provides us with the opportunity to do that. So honestly, if I'm going to be real hard on the artist community, this is all the shit y'all should have been doing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you know? but, but some of it, I think, for example, like the, the bad wolves Patreon, the way we're doing it now, and it, and it will not last forever in this, in its, in its current form. Um, but that the, the kind of breakneck pace we were working and touring, you know, you just don't have the time, but we, but it, it opens your eyes up to, to something, you know, uh, you know, it's been helpful for us, I think too, because it's gotten a lot of the fan base to get to know the other members of the band. Cause you know, there's obviously a big portion of the band that's honed it on Tommy. A lot of the, the marketing and the kind of social media faces is, is based around him. So I think that's been really helpful. Um, you know, but yeah, I, I think it is informative and I, and I do think it is, you know, I, said, I feel actually worse for the upcoming bands because, you know, if you don't have a, a prominent fan base, how can you necessarily connect with them, right? If let's, you have it. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. You want to, I, I interrupted you. You got right? more to say. 
go ahead. But how, how, how's an up and coming band? I think it's an amazing time. I, I, how do you get the attention? Uh, first of all, I understand exactly what you're saying, right? In terms of how do you, how do you cut through? It's tough. And because most of those bands used to do that stuff via touring, hey, let me go first to four on somebody's tour and play in front of da da da, right? Can't do that anymore. Here's the thing it was very challenging for those bands to get those tours in the first place. And then they would drive 2,000 miles to play, you know, 50 people at Joe's Bar and Grill. And I'm not sure the bang for the buck. As, as my friend Spencer uh, tends to say, I'm not sure the juice was worth the squeeze, right? And uh, um, you go on the internet, right? Now, how, how do you break things now? I'm breaking two pop artists right now and a hard rock, a Swedish hard rock band that I'm working with developing in, this, in the middle of this pandemic. I've signed all of them to record deals and you know we're starting from the beginning. How do, what do we do? We literally creating the initial social media pages, creating, you know, uploading stuff to Spotify, uh, uploading to the DSPs and pushing content. I'm seeing that you can do this through YouTube and TikTok and, and features, and you can do things visually, you can do things with covers, you know, yeah, having featured artists on your tracks. I've got a couple things in the works right now that knock people's socks off in terms of who's coming, featured artists, because there's a lot of guys sitting at home ready, yeah, screw it, I'll, I'll jump on your track, no problem. And so if you understand the way that DSPs work and analytics work and Spotify works and the algorithms and YouTube, and trust me, I've got all the time in the world and I'm such a nerd, I'm subscribing to every data analytics platform, every reading every article, just completely consuming myself with all the stuff, listening to podcasts and things like that, all directed towards how do I manipulate this stuff? How do I do exactly as you say, break through the din? And, and here's the thing, there's a great level playing field. No one can tour now. Everyone has to be on the internet. Mm -hmm. And anyone has every song ever in their pocket. So why are they going to spend 10 seconds, two minutes, $20 for the rest of their lives consumed with you, right? And, and let's put it this way. If there is no compelling reason to, to pay attention to your content, you got to take a hard look in the mirror and go make some better content or, or find a different business. If, there, if you are, that's the ticket to enter compelling content. If you got compelling content, you can break it on the internet. One of one of the bands I want to shout out is a band called Solence, S-O-L-E-N-C-E, -E, which is a Swedish band that I've been working with, uh, getting ready to start announcing some stuff from them. They have, uh, I think they have 600,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. I think they have 110,000 YouTube subscribers. You know, they got real deal numbers. They went to yeah. number one on Octane. This is all algorithmic. It was all discovered and it's all been building during this pandemic. They're releasing a song a month. Each song is super well received. Uh, they're doing all the right things. They started with a platform of doing metal versions of cover songs, right? And then built up a YouTube audience and then flipped it over and started posting those songs on those covers on Spotify. And then the Spotify algorithm started triggering because they had a certain number of plays and then they started they kept coming with music and, and people started discovering it. It would go on algorithmic playlists. And I think uh, Vinny from Octane heard it and liked it. And many didn't big managers and big booking agents. It's going to be on for them. And I have never played a show in the United States ever. They have no manager up until, you know, that's about to change. They have no record label. But they were like all of those other things. They were ready to be, you know, added to the big festivals, on the tours, all this stuff. They did that from 
a bedroom and they write and produce the stuff themselves. So they had no help other than limited help from me, uh, just helping connect the dots on the stuff they already were getting going. Pretty cool, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, listen, I don't know the, the starting point because right now we're looking at 600,000 uh, a month on Spotify. I'm looking at some of the numbers. Those are very strong numbers. They have songs in the millions of plays, several more in the uh, hundreds of thousands. I don't know from A to B how long it took, what was the, what was the process, and it's, and it's tough to kind of compare A to B, like, why does this thing work and this thing not work, or why does this gain traction? It's, to me, one of the kind of great mysteries. Some, some people tend to think that now because I'm in Bad Wolves, I kind of understand some great uh, mystery about, you know, solving how to, like, just because this happened, like, I could somehow just replicate that. I think I have some idea of how this works with Bad Wolves, but even that to me, about five or six things had, had lightning had to strike a few times even for this to be what it is. Well, let's talk. You know, you know I have the, the big, you know, the big gun headline attraction artists. And then you know me, I've got my personal projects that I just won't, you know, I'm just, I'm giving a ball. You know what I mean? Like, I'm good. And, and, and you know, Hyro, the hero, is one of those things that I've been pushing real hard. Now, the big trick with him, let's get him on a label that really cares about what he's doing. Because he was obviously signed to uh, Century Media Records, and Century Media was acquired by Red Music, and then Red Music was acquired by The Orchard. And through that whole thing, it was kind of a situation that, uh, you know, anyway, they were kind enough to let him uh, go seek another label. And then we got uh, a label and it's called Better Noise Music and we're getting ready to make music there. But the, of course we need some driver. He doesn't have the numbers that, that you need to have, right? You've seen Hiro, you know him. He's a likable guy, he's pretty cool, but he doesn't really have uh, uh, those kinds of numbers. So how do I break him, right? And, mm -hmm. oh, okay, I'm gonna get a tour. And then, of course, my boys in Asking Alexandria were kind enough to add him to the tour. And the tour was supposed to go out Asking Alexandria headlining, Falling in Reverse, who were just starting to go on a single called Popular Monster. They made the move, man. Falling in Reverse is like the next one. They're kind of right. taking, the, they're taking the leap. And then and then Wage War, which is a cool little band. on Very good band. And then the opener was going to be Hiram Hero. And they were getting ready to go. And guess what we got him? COVID, right? Yeah. There goes my tour. So now what do I do, right? Because that was going to be the thing to help launch him on, right? So now the move is features. And we got to start looking at how are we going to put a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, let's get some features involved with this, with this album yeah. uh, that's going to uh, get the attention, that can be used algorithmically, that can obviously that creatively add something to the mix, but also... With uh, Diamante just did this song, did this cover with... Breaking Ben, and you know, and she's someone who's had some success, but is obviously trying to still climb that ladder. And I can already tell there's like a different buzz about this track. Do you know what I'm saying? More than some of the yeah. other things, and it's just about have you know, and, and it and listen, and that's something that oh, excuse me, uh, that's something that exists in the pop and uh, hip hop world very prominently. And I think we're we're finally kind of starting to see the power of that. Um, didn't, didn't I talk to you on the phone yesterday, last night or something that led to us saying, let's do this podcast. And 
I said something about you can't have the same. Was that you? I was talking. Yeah, about? yeah, about 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 them pushing. Um, don't don't say the band, right? No, no, but but the the fact in in the rock world, let's say there's a feature. I'll talk about the the the, the example I was bringing up, which had nothing no. to do with was um, Jacoby Shaddix sang on Mark Warren's solo record, and they couldn't make the song a single because they had it in the deal that, you know, basically they couldn't make it a single because uh, Pop Roach had a new album out and they didn't want the, they didn't want them to compete kind of at radio. And I was just saying how I think it's dumb because in hip hop, you'll have the same artists on like eight songs in the top 50, you know, in the, in the Billboard Hot 100 because they don't have that same mentality of being overexposed or they don't care. It's like when you're dominating, you're just dominating. <laughs> right, right. Here we're just like, what do you mean? I can hear Jacoby in two songs on the radio within an hour. Oh my, it's like right. no one would give a shit. Right. Like it makes so, no sense. So like, I think your label, Better Noise, has been really great with the, doing the features. As you know, uh, very famously, Five Finger Death Punch uh, had, uh, uh, Brian May from Queen and, uh, you know, uh, Kenny Wayne Shepherd and all that on their yeah. Blue Up Black track, right? And then... Uh, and Rob Halford. Uh, right? They have five, Rob Halford, Lift Me Up. That's classic, dude. That's just, like, really cool. But the right. uh, then you look at um, uh, their guy, Corey Marks, right, that they're breaking right yeah. now, that, that country thing. He's got Mick Mars and he's got uh, uh, Ivan from Five Finger and stuff. And, and, and that seems to be working well. My client, The Who, uh, another one of my clients. The yeah, Who, tons of features. They, they have uh, Jacoby on one song, as you mentioned, Lizzie Hale on another song, Danny from, from Ashton. And all another. those songs are hits. They're all hits, right? That's the whole point. And then I know, uh, so, you know, as I, I'm trying to follow that kind of model, uh, as I, and, and yeah, traditionally you look at quote unquote active rock radio. Think of active rock radio as a, as a bus or a train or a movie theater, there's only so many seats, right? Yep. It's a game of musical chairs. And so there's only so many songs that can get added and you want to put all your chips on one. And if you were a certain voice, you know, how many, how if there's only 20 slots, or let's even say this, let's say most of these active rock radio stations, well, they don't just play new shit. They play Alice in Chains and Metallica and Nirvana and Pearl Jam and, and uh, Foo Fighters and Green Day, you know, and all the classics, Red Hot Chili Peppers. And then they also play, you know, a couple Van Halen songs, Guns N' Roses. They also play, you know, three or four new bands mixed in there. Maybe there's some Bad Wolves or some Five Finger or whatever, Disturbed, right? There's not a lot of extra seats at the table. And when you're coming, especially if you're not a superstar, and you're coming with your voice multiple times on the same track, you're almost splitting the vote almost, right? It's like there's only, like only because of how the system is set up because they have that, they have that mentality. I'm just saying they just don't think that way in, in hip hop. They don't care. It's like, <laughs> oh, here's Kanye's song, right? This. Now we're going to have this song featuring Kanye. They don't, they just don't care. Like they're just like, and they probably have less songs in rotation in hip hop. It's probably like 20 songs that right. get played on every station. And so it's, it's even more cutthroat and even fewer people have a bigger piece of the pie. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe we're headed towards where, where some of those barriers are going to come down because it was not too long ago that you never saw a metal band so-and-so featuring so-and-so. And, you know, that, that grew up over time and became a thing. Um, I think, uh, uh, you know, we're, I think if you're a baby band, 
and you're looking at this stuff as opposed to a five finger death punch or whatever, but it, you know, Motley Crue featuring machine gun Kelly or whatever. Right. But, but if you go all the way down the chain and you're just starting now, you're, you're, uh, 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 you know, some one of the bands that's that's being played as a sponsor on your uh, on your podcast, right? Yeah. So, so I hear some good stuff once in a while, and I like. Yeah, there's I, a, I, some I a lot of good bands. It's a great, by the way, and I want people to hear this. It's a great investment. If you're gonna spend, I don't know, you know, the twenty five thousand dollars that it costs to be on Doc's podcast. That's you're gonna make. 20, sure it is not. Stop. Why are you fucking with people, man? You're gonna start with the good part and then fucking ruin it with the end. <laughs> It's a couple hundred bucks, guys, to sponsor the show. Don't worry about it. Right? I just want to give you room. You've gotten people deals over there. Listen, I, I don't know what it is, what the right price, but you know, I, I, I think it's fair. But if you're going to spend a couple, it's just a couple hundred bucks to drop it on there. I don't know what the numbers are on the X-Men. I'm sure on my episode, it's lower than on some superstar rock star. But here's what I can tell you. Even if there's 25 people listening, there's probably 12 of them are in the industry. And when's the last time you got 12 people to sit down and listen to your I, tiny band and no one gives a shit? I tell you that know? to people when they question. I said, it's not how many people listening, it's who's listening. Right, exactly. And that, so I think it's a great investment. So there's creative things you can do like that, that I think can get in front of the right people and get it moving a little bit. But I also think that on a smaller level, you don't have to have superstars featuring on your tracks. What if you had featuring Doc Coyle, look, you're a little bit of a superstar in, in, in a certain way, in a certain world. What if you go all the way up and down the chain? For every band, there's a band that's a notch or two higher on the ladder that's a cool get for them, that can help, that can get attention. And I think you just got to climb that ladder. There's a lot of people, as we talked about on this podcast, that are out of work. There's a lot of people that are at home with nothing to do, right? A lot of people that could use a little cheddar. If you've got cheddar to invest in your band and you're launching a product in the middle of a pandemic and you can't uh, uh, tour and all that stuff, how are you going to cut through? I would do some covers. I would go do some creative marketing, like go, you know, digital marketing and go on Doc Coyle's podcast and stuff like that. I would grab some features and get somebody, throw somebody a little extra cheese, a little extra cheddar that they needed that's a big deal for them that might pay their mortgage that month. And then let you, and, and then you'll get a little hustle, you know, and, and they're well now better time than ever. So I think you're going to start to see that as this gets longer and longer and the two, you're going to see bands coming out, you know, some unknown band featuring so-and-so that helps to get them off the ground. Now, just like buying onto a tour or just like anything like that, you know, coming on Doc's podcast is going to get a few people to hear you. It doesn't mean they're going to like what they hear. Yeah, it's ultimately it's about the, the, the product itself, you know. And so if the product's rad, how can you get people to pay attention to it? There's some tricks and tips. Listen, I've, had a, more. I've had a <laughs> bunch of bands, you know, after they do the show, they're like, dude, man, our, you know, our band camp was the most activity we've ever had. I got, you know, the, so many people reached out to me. So I know there's definitely an impact, which makes me feel good because the last thing in the world I'd ever want to do is charge people for something that doesn't provide value. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, even I would feel guilty about that, you know? Um, you know, you know wh weren't you telling me about potentially uh, in doing reviewing music in video format, stuff like that? I don't know. You're talking about some different things. Oh, no, I had a, actually, no, no. The, I, the idea I have to review music is I have this, uh, like, Black Power character called 
uh, Marlon Shabazz X. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they call it woke, woke uh, reviews. <laughs> and I just get right. on there and it's like, you know, this is the whitest album that Killswitch Engage has put out so far. You know, you need to get the brother back in the band, you know, like kind of <laughs> like as a joke, you know. Totally. Reaction <laughs> videos, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah but but listen, there's, so, there's so many things you can do, man. And as long as you're, look, I know on the popbacks, I started telling a couple people, you know, a couple uh, go on TikTok, start doing TikTok. You know, by the Don't way, go on TikTok. Don't, Don't go on TikTok. What? China, China owns that shit, man. They're fucking taking all your information. Listen, I'm not conspiracy, man, yeah. but don't fuck with TikTok. I'm telling you, like that's like China is the new like these motherfuckers are running shit. All right, they're about to have the biggest economy. They got 1.3 billion heads. You know what I'm saying? You, you know, they it's a totalitarian totalitarian government. They're spying on people that you can't go on Facebook. It's it's kind of brutal. Well, so a lot of that- They're killing, uh, they're killing Muslims, people. <laughs> but TikTok, uh, you know, if you look at a pop charts and stuff like that, you look at like the top 10 or all the stuff that's breaking. It's like, I think I looked at it with somebody about a month ago. And it's like eight of the 10 new hot new tracks were like blew up on TikTok, right? Yeah, but Listen, you're quite you know, right. You can go on there real quick and get fans real quick if you've got the right look or the right dance or the right sound, right? And 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 I see people building audiences fast. I mean, lightning fast. Like they sign up, and a month later, they got you know real audience. And so yeah. you know that there's there's all sorts of things. And then let's go to the fact that what does make it mean anyway, right? If you got a hundred fans that are willing to pay for your Patreon, or if you've got uh, uh, you know uh, a community on Twitch, I've seen people build Twitch audiences real quick. Yeah. Talk about Ronnie Radke. Dude's on fire on Twitch. Matt Heafy is on fire on Twitch. Herman Lee is on fire, right? Yeah. Uh, Robert Ortiz from Escape to Fate. Uh, you know, these guys are doing it, man. And there's a lot of people. But they're seeing, you know, Matt Heafy was ahead of the curve. I can't speak to everyone there. And I know, um, you know, Herman Lee, you know, with Dragon Force, they've always been, ahead, you know, embracing the kind of gamer culture that has been connected with their band. And that's brilliant. Because they, you know, he seeing that the lifestyle component and people don't tend to think of video games as, as lifestyle, but it completely is uh, when you when you relate it to what we're doing in the, in the entertainment field. But I know Heafy's talked about it when he started it. It wasn't big at all. He really just started doing it and it was slow and he just kept doing it and it just slowly got to where it, 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 it is. But but I think those examples are exactly what I'm talking about in terms of adapting to the field that it is, right? That, okay, there is no touring, but we can do something that it's not a live show, but it is connective. It is communal. Um, it is, it's more intimate, right? It's kind of this, um, you know, maybe, you know, kind of haphazardly a, a Truman show, esque uh, kind right, of right. Ver ver version of this, but but at least everyone is um, aware. <laughs> you know, no one is being taken advantage, or everyone kind of un un understands that. But everyone's got the same democratic tools. We're all if yes. you've got something to say or something that somebody wants to see. If you're a pretty face or an intelligent intellect or uh, beautiful music or something, you can get it right to the people real quick. 
honestly, dude, seriously, honestly, I know I don't really have massive social media, but like you said, it's not the quantity, it's the quality. I got some people in the music industry that look at my social media. If I take your video and I share it, uh, there's some people going to see it. Is it good? Is that, is that 25? Is that 50? Is that 75? Is that 375? Is it 2000? Depends on how you count it and who counts, right? But if you suddenly, if I hit share on a video or I put it on my Instagram story, a piece of a song, I know because I get the, yo man, that band's cool. Hey, tell me about that. Hey, do they have a manager? What, what, you know, what, is that band available? Are they on site? I get the DMs, right? So if I get, if I share some band nobody's ever heard of on my socials and I get 25 DMs from people in the industry wanting to do something with them, that's a pretty good sign that something's going on. And, and if people talk about shopping bands, I'm shopping man. I just share a video and go, hey, new on <laughs> right? And then there you go. But does, dude, that, does that work? Being, what you were talking about being ahead of the curve. You were talking about Matt Heafy doing stuff early. You were on the podcast thing early. All of a sudden everyone's like, podcast. I gotta yeah. do a podcast. Well, I wasn't that early, but I was earlier definitely, you know, it's, it'll be four years in October and I'm do, doing the show, which is funny because I haven't done that many show, shows when you kind of look at look at the time but i you know i had periods where i was maybe only doing a show every other week and whatever but um you know i wasn't super ahead of the curve but i but obviously right now because of people being home and everything doing a podcast is one of the few things in media i'd say that and you and doing youtube and twitch and the, all these things that people will can do now the question is in a year when things look a little more like normal life, will those people sustain? That's, that's the real question. Because think about, I've definitely learned about doing a podcast is I have periods, mainly it's when I'm touring a lot where I'm just like, don't feel like doing it. And it becomes labor, you know? And so being able to push through that and kind of, you know, it's a lot of work. You know, any of these. Well, yeah, you can't do it all. And, and you're upset. I was talking about myself and being obsessive and, and, and there's no work-life balance. Like, you, you, obviously, you have to take a break. You have to sleep. You have to rest. You have to have other interests to be a well-rounded human, all of those things. And when you're touring, think about the amount of energy. Let's talk about juice and squeeze. If you're a band that's not making that much money or doesn't have the right slot or not playing the right rooms – Think about the effort it takes to haul the amps, get the gas money, and drive. And it's everything. It's your whole life. It's not really that efficient. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, but no, but touring, but touring is, you know, I look at someone like Slash, for example, who's my favorite guitar player and one of my real musical heroes. Um, you know, I read his book, and that's what he lives for. You know, the, you know he, he likes the recording and the writing, but for him, it's all just uh, that stuff is just the fuel to put in the engine that drives this idea of every my job is I, I play music because that's the real it's the real active verb element of what it means to be a musician is that, no, I go out and I play in front of people. And that's, you know, for a lot of people, that's the purest form of, of this art art form. Absolutely. And so, like, I, I watched this thing this morning that um, Otherwise and uh, Robert from Escape to Fate, that's why I'm thinking of them now, that uh, they did an interview with Lou Brutus, you know, Lou Brutus. Yeah, I know. Lou's right? awesome. And they, and they did something, and they were talking about 
Otherwise, and, and this is shout out to their manager, Zach Yoshioka. Look, I work with some big bands and Zach is not the manager of many of them, right? but I like this guy because he figures out how to make stuff work for artists at a certain level. Cause I give a shit. Like I work with some big bands, but I also give a shit about some bands that a little bit more middle class, let's say, and uh, you know, maybe a little dicier economic situation and stuff like that. Because uh, I got, you know, I, at each step on the ladder up the way, I've collected relationships, friendships, and some of these bands haven't ascended as quickly as others, but he's out there fighting for these guys and he's taking these bands and putting them on Patreon and putting them on Twitch and doing, and they did a big live stream last weekend. Uh, otherwise live in a concert, right? And it was from the Vegas and, and they, and they retweeted it or streamed it on YouTube and Facebook and all this stuff at the same time. According to these guys, they had 50,000 people from all the platforms watch this concert. Amazing. Right? Otherwise, probably was less. I'm sure they never. They probably don't give a thousand people a tour usually, right? Yeah. They got them all together, and that may be everyone that cares about that band. But it was good. It was a good thing. And then when Can Robert, I ask you, was it was it free or do people have to pay? It was free. It was got free. It. But it was a tip jar. And listen, I'm supposed to be getting paid by these guys, not the other way around. But yeah. I bought a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I but you're find myself buying band merch now and stuff. A, because I want to see how it works. I want to see what their systems are, how quickly things come, what the ordering experience is like. That's what kind of nerd I am, right? But B, I feel like, yeah, it's kind of fun to get something in the mail and I got time. I don't know if you're the same way, but I like been ordering shit, right? And yeah, I've been, I've been more, you can probably see from my, my room, I've been on this, uh, kind, you know, my love and passion for 80s and 90s film and, and pop culture, I've, I've really been... Uh, digging deep into that expressively, kind of making, kind of making it, ma making my nerd isms part of my own personal kind of, kind of brain. It's fun. Extending. It's fun. Yeah. Um, so I've been really buying a lot of that stuff and and trying to, you know, you know, create my own little man cave of uh, <laughs> of amazing. solitude. Um, it's not. It's amazing. not done. It's not. It's not even done. I have. I have this insane you know because a lot of the stuff i got really cheaply but then i bought this uh two posters from this guy vance kelly who's an amazing artist and then he does these incredible prints that they're you know they're you know the it, you know it'll be 65 75 85 dollars but then they're they always uh increase in value um but the prints are insane you look at them like this i got this robocop one over here and it's all like got the oh. silver like the, it's it's insane but um but yeah, I, 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 I love that stuff. So that's the stuff. You know, so you've been bought... online shopping too, right? So it, it, look, they had an online tip jar. They launched their Patreon with this live performance, kind of like you guys launched yours with their, they did, they, they booted over to Twitch and all of that. And like, we'll see how it does for them. Cause I think certain types of band, you know, you mentioned before, it's like little by little, little growth. You talked about building your podcast or Matt Heafy building his Twitch uh, community. All of this shit is like eating your vegetables or going to the gym, right? You go to the gym, on day one, you come out, you lift up your shirt, you go, oh, shit, I don't have any abs. Uh, this sucks. Uh, dude, you got to go every, you know, you go every day. And after six months or eight months or nine months, you start to look, you go, oh, shit, yeah, I, yeah. maybe this is working a little bit. That's the kind of grind you got to do on the internet to build an audience, right? Yeah. Yes, there are a bunch of shortcuts and catch things, but... Uh, as Mike Mowry used to always say, I think you know, 
great content consistent over time or something like that. You just keep coming, keep releasing music. Don't have a big thing. Anyway, the, the otherwise people, they started building that thing and they were talking on this Lou Brutus thing today. And Ortiz so eloquently said something like, uh, he walked into the production rehearsal because I guess they must all, you must live in Vegas or they all managed by the same guy and came over to watch the otherwise show. And he said the first time he heard that snare drum in the big like sound check in the giant like room or whatever. And it gave me chills listening to him explain like, so we all know how that feels. It's like a physical feeling. Oh, being in, in the room. room. Yeah. yeah. Like I, when's the last time you did that, Doc? Uh, since since the tour, man, I did one of the greatest tours I've ever done in my life, man. We did the Bad Wolves, Five Finger Death Punch, Megadeth tour. That's the last. And it's funny because it, it feels like eons ago. Um, and certainly it was, a, it was a different world. It was a bit, it was a lot more carefree. But, you know, it's funny because my whole perspective on this whole thing, and like I said, I know how devastating this has been for so many people. And I, I empathize and sympathize so, 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 so much with that. But I don't, you know, I, I, I don't know if you've seen that, like Chris from Motionless and White did a post about how not touring has really affected his mental health and he's been dealing with depression. Um, you know, it um you know he basically was just you know you know i should probably look it up i don't i don't want to paraphrase him too much but basically that he you know he didn't realize how much touring really kind of helped uplift his spirits you know and kind of was this thing that he he leaned on and i think a lot of musicians do because it's a you have that just that day-to-day -day sense of purpose that i think helps anyone who has a job right yeah um, but, but I think with music in particular, live music is you get that, you know, that adrenaline boost, you get that human connection thing. And there's also that element of just like ego kind of stroking and, and kind of personal, personal, personal validation and all that and feeling like a big shot. Um, I'm, you know, I, I don't know how old he is, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm be, I'll be 40 this year and I've past that point in my life where i kind of need that stuff the thing i like i like playing in a in a rehearsal room with a few a few musicians just as much as i do like getting on stage like i don't need the i don't need the response from the audience to kind of uh validate my experience you know what I'm saying? i just like getting in a room and making noise <laughs> you know that's like the thing i i get off on it's just like we're you know just that it's like playing basketball right that teamwork element um that's that's the thing when you get it just right when you're all functioning the chemistry man the live chemistry yeah that's that's the, that's the thing that, that, that gets me off so for me you know i have a lot of physical issues back things for me this has been a time to like get my body right get my mind right get uh all that like you said go through my career so okay what what do i really want to do what's all right, here's these, these list of things that I wanted to work on. And I've been, the main thing I'm struggling with is just, I got too much shit and I don't, and I can't, and every day I'm like, I didn't get enough done. And I'm like, I don't know how, without, the only way I could really get everything done is if I just had no social life. I mean, literally like, <laughs> girlfriend, I'll talk to you in five days. Like literally, like, that's how what I'd have to do. I'd have to just shut everything. Dad, I'll call you next year. Um, you know, um, th things like, like that. Dude, dude, it's like, I say to people, 
if you got a if you got a jigsaw puzzle for Christmas back in 2017 and you haven't put that shit together yet, by this point in the pandemic, <laughs> you ain't ever doing it, right? But, but well, it, it well it depends because I said a lot of things are opening up and and and, th- and things like that. We're we're past that point of hey, I'm just gonna binge this this show for for a week straight. Um, but you know, but we're also in this really rough time where things are quote unquote opening up, but we're also seeing the highest numbers. Uh, we just had our highest number. I think it was 66,000 uh, people uh, were tested positive and when that's the highest. So we're actually going above. Uh, so there's, there's one motherfucker I know that doesn't have the coronavirus. I know for sure. Who was that? Uh, Mr. Coyle. Right. Well, I just got my test. Yes, I got I got tested. Ah. Yes, me and my girlfriend got got tested. But I I was sure I was fine. I I you know I'm careful and I'm I felt great this whole time in terms of like yeah. that kind of health. But um, but Doc, so, I want to I want to mention you were talking about what life was like on that Megadeth tour and all that stuff. I was I was not quite sure. You know, I was a little worried about y'all being out there in Europe and stuff like that. You know, like when it, it wasn't when even it on was, my ra- it wasn't even on my radar. Right. Didn't you play Milan, Italy? Like, like a couple two days? weeks, two weeks before it exploded. And honestly, we're pretty sure John had it, and I'm, we're pretty sure that's we got it from because he went. He like went out in the day off and made friends with all these Italian guys, and they're chest bumping and they're doing shots and they're hanging, you know, they're partying. You know, he was like up close with people, you know. But listen, I was in Milan. I went out to a, a, me and. Uh, you know, a couple of guys from Five Finger. We went out to a uh, a metal bar. I mean, obviously, we're not like up up on people. But yeah, it was just normal. It was great. Honestly, well, it was one of those. Honestly, it's probably maybe the most beautiful city I've ever been to in in Europe. It was stunning. Right. And, and I and right behind you, or right on the same kind of tour around the same venues, like few days before or after, was uh, Papa Roach, Hollywood Undead, and Ice Nine Kills. Yeah. I remember talking to Spencer, Ice Nine Kills, and Mike, and Louis Kovac on a, a Zoom chat. This must have been like March 10th or, you know, like around there, right? And they were on a bus backstage. At, you know, Maybe they were in Paris or so, I don't know, right? And I was like, guys, and they're like, you know, we all have a rapport. It's kind of funny and a lot of jokes and they're saying hello. And I'm like, guys, what are you doing? Man? Like, aren't you scared? Like, what are you? And they're like, huh? Like, they don't know. They're in tour life, right? Like, yeah, even, I came, even I came home, I didn't think, think anything about it. Um, and we're just doing things. You know, I can remember all the last nights I went out and everything. And just, you're just thinking life is normal. And, you know, things, things, <laughs> things. things, things <laughs> you know what the moment was? One day, I walked into somebody's – all right, so it gets to be that weekend before the shit hits the fan. I went to see this EDM uh, DJ called Crank Dat at the Hollywood Palladium. I remember I uh, actually had dinner with your singer, and, uh, and Zoltan from Five Finger Lake was in town, and Tommy and I had gone to see him, and we were hanging out in this hotel, and then Tommy and I went to eat, and I told Tommy to meet me, because we were going to go to this EDM show, right? And then Tommy bailed or whatever. Everyone bailed all of a sudden. And some other people I was supposed to meet, some friends, were all like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe this isn't a good idea. My wife was like, yeah, I don't think I want to go. I went by myself. And I walk into the Palladium. You know that venue. And I, I'm mm-hmm. upstairs at balcony. And there's all sorts of people wearing masks. And I'm just not quite sure. This is like 
March 12th or so, or, you know, I, I forget exactly what, I was just, I'm not quite sure what's going on here. And I didn't know whether I should stay or go. And so I kind of saw the show, said hello, and then pieced out of there, right? And then circled that later on the calendar to count many days backwards to say, okay, it's been 14 days since I was there. But the, uh, in the interim, I know that, uh, uh, you know, I'm talking to these other cats and they, in Europe, they don't even know what's going on. And then all of a sudden, one day, I think the two, it was a Tuesday, I teach Syracuse University's music business program. And all of a sudden, a note, some, somebody found out that, the, uh, that in the building where the class was, there was a health clinic that was like testing for the coronavirus. And a bunch of the students were like, yeah, I'm not coming to class. And I started getting the emails that day. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to come. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I don't feel comfortable. Oh, da, da. And I remember going up there that night and I had 25 kids in the class and six of them showed up, right? And the rest like zoomed in and we did it and we figured it out. But I was kind of at the time still, like, I just don't, I think, you know, everybody's being a little too crazy. I wasn't quite sure what was going on, right? And then I go to work the next day and I'm telling people, yo, this is, you know, this is for real. This is... All of a sudden, I hear, "Whoa, the NBA just canceled the season." <laughs> that was the moment for me. I was I was watching TV. I was watching, literally watching the game, ready to watch the game, and they canceled the game. You're just like, and I was literally, I had a moment because they were saying they were going to cancel the season, but they were still going to have the one game, and I was like, "Thank God!" And you know, at least I get one more game. And did he do that? And, uh, right. no. and then, then it was Tom Hanks has the coronavirus. Yeah. Right after that, right. And I'm like, okay, this is getting weird. And I went to the grocery store and started grabbing a bunch of stuff. And, you know, I started calling my friends, wilding out, talking about, you know, do I need to buy canned goods? <laughs> well, you know, it is, it is what it is, and we're, 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 we're in it. Um, so, Eric, I was, one of the things I was, I was thinking about was, you know, now that you're, you know, and, and, you know, and I don't know how much the people listening to this kind of understand about who you work with and who you have worked with, but, you know, you, you're, you come from the metal world, you know, despite being an entertainment lawyer, I've worked with like Century Media and all these bands, you know, that I know, but in recent years, you've kind of slowly but surely, as, as you said before, you know, you worked with some, you're working with pop artists and you, you work with the AWOL Nation and th things like this. And you're kind of getting to see how the other half lives, <laughs> so to speak. Sure. And, um, you know, and, and it's this weird thing where even you and I will talk and we'll use certain terminology, right? Like even bands as a concept, right? Oh, this new band. And I, and I wonder, because, you know, probably like you, I get a lot of people that reach out to me for advice, you know, oh, what should I do with my band? I'm trying to do this, and we're this old, and we're struggling, and, and whatever. And I always think about this idea, like, are we, you know, is it 1955, and Elvis is about, is like, you know, about to take over the world, and we're still the last jazz musicians looking to, to break out, you know, like, is, <laughs> is this just an inevitable kind of tide where, eventually you know we're generally if you want to make money or have ambition of a certain height it's kind of dumb to even do rock music are we are we there are we close to there I everything mean, is cyclical number one 
Everything Number is not two. cyclical. It ain't, who's the who's the motherfucker? Sounds like Miles Davis. That's on. That's blowing up in so I many mean, records. Funny now. you should say that. You know how deep I am in that jam card world. Man, yeah. Go to that kind of stuff, and you see some of the hottest cats in the world. They're yes. jazz musicians. That's right. You know, in they the might back. be also touring with Bruno Mars or Kendrick Lamar. Exactly. They're. You know what they're. You know what they do with the, to the bands at like the Grammys and shit. They put you under the stage. You you're not even on the stage <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I'll say. I'll say this, uh, touche, but the, uh, um, I do know that for a long time I was working with Citrus Media and I was doing deals and trying to uh, be almost a label side liaison from bands like Suicide Silence and In This Moment and Lacuna Coil and a little bit of your, you like I caught, God forbid, at the tail end of that stuff. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, definitely I come from that world. Like I grew up, I'm like, rocking like nevermore cds on my own and stuff you know like and that that's like where like you know i love emperor and in flames and you know whatever right yes sir the, yes uh, sir i'm with right? you <laughs> man and yeah i i was i was stoked when you know i i got four constitution of treason and, and the whole deal right uh like i'm i'm i was into that stuff and then I kind of uh, realized that there's kind of limitations on the on the commerciality maybe of some of that stuff. And it's not necessarily the music because you look at bands like Behemoth and Monomarth and stuff, you think they make money? Of course they do. And yeah, Lamb of God, well, Diamond. Well, the, the upper and, tier of every genre makes money. You know? Right. So then you start looking at, okay, well, how do new bands break in all these new bands for a while? How to be Warped Tour, Emo Screamo bands, or Hot Topic merch bands? And then that became more of a, now they got to be active rock bands, and dad rock bands, and, you know, all of that. Butt and, rock. I've heard butt rock. <laughs> so, you know, I, and, and listen, I, I literally, I'm going to flex for a second. I think as we see here today, I have number one, number two, number four, number nine on the active rock chart all at the same time, dude. 40% of the chart right here. And, and, and one of them's your song, right? And yep. uh, your song, by the way, is going to what's called Hot AC. And yep. you're getting radio spins on a whole different format. And you're, uh, you just got added to the Rock This playlist with Sober, which, I mean, that track's got a real life beyond the, the limitations of the traditional community that we talk about. Maybe it's not going to be zombie, but it's not done yet. That's for sure. Right? Well, I, have, I have a whole other opinions about that, but right, it's done too well. We're ha- I'm happy to talk about it with you, are. But the uh, the moving forward from what is the opportunity with the rest of this stuff? I think we're seeing convergence. I think entertainment convergence. What do I mean? Video games crossing with music, music crossing with film, film crossing with books. Like, and all of it is one. And, and, you know, uh, uh, very, like, a lot of people are talking about things like when you go to Amazon and you search for Bad Wolves, maybe there's, maybe there's a T-shirt, maybe there's a book, maybe there's an audio book, maybe there's a podcast, maybe there's a, uh, a, a movie, maybe there's an animated film, maybe a documentary, maybe there's a record, a CD. You're a brand, you're an entertainment pipeline, and it should come out in all those forms. So convergence in format but also convergence in genres. Obviously, there was a time when I was a kid and I'm an old man, but it was weird to have a woman in a band, in a metal band, right? And it was definitely weird to have keyboards in a metal band, right? I mean, literally- What year are you talking about? What? What year are you talking about? 80s? 80s? Which one, everybody, Van Halen Jump? Europe? Yeah, when when Van Halen hits you with those keyboards, 
that was like, whoa, that was a little bit of a sellout moment, man. Run, jump, when people it first heard biggest, that. It became like, the, the biggest hit of I all know. time. I know. And by the way, but I'm talking about, I, I was into like another level down. I'm talking about Iron Maiden or, uh, you know, just yeah. pre-hits and keyboards did, on did, Turbo like Deep Purple. Did Deep, Deep Purple have a keyboard player? Yeah. And like enough. Dio had a keyboard player. True Ozzy enough. had a keyboard player. I think, this is, I think it's a revisionist history. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. Well, then, fair enough. Dave had a things, keyboard player. Come on. There were, there, were, there were limitations in the genre that you saw in the breaking down. Nowadays, we've got trap beats. We've got dubstep breakdowns. We've got things that don't even sound like guitars. We've got pop production values and songwriting techniques. We've got hip hop verses in the middle. And the point is you're seeing not only a diversity and inclusiveness of faces, like literally I talked about those, the, you know, I've got African-American artists. Uh, uh, I've got Mongolian artists. I've got female artists. I've got gay artists. I've got, you know, it's, it doesn't matter. And rock, one of the fucking beautiful things is the only rule of the rock business is when somebody falls in the pit, you pick them back up. I don't give a fuck what anybody is or what they're coming from. I know that when I went to college and when I walked into that cafeteria at the dorm on the first week, I didn't have any friends. I looked around the room and I saw people all different shapes, sizes, colors from different places. I saw a motherfucker in a Slayer shirt. I sat down next to him. And I, them. I don't care anything else about it because you like what I like and that makes us friends, right? Yeah. And that's what's cool. So rock, actually, well, people think of it as a knuckle dragon, red state, you know, like kind of closed off thing. And it can be certain elements of it. It also is a little bit more inclusive than anybody really wants to fucking give it credit for outside the genre, right? And so there's a lot of different faces and voices. There's also a lot, because we all have Spotify and every song's in there, kids don't care about genre limitations the same way they used to. So now when you're hearing those trap beats, you're hearing those, those punk rock, you're hearing all sorts of different things crashing together. And there was a day when you told me, hey, I got a metalcore band with five white dudes in a warehouse with, a, with that video with the <laughs> light bulb swinging in the middle, right? And, and I don't really care about that, neither do you. But if I said, you know, hey, here's this super diverse situation of like, you know, flip it on its head. You know, when, if it's male, it's female. Or if it's gay, it's straight. Or if it's black, it's white. But I want, I want an all amputee band. That's what I'm looking for, right? Dude, if I told you, and I don't want to make fun, like that sounds like I'm making fun, but like if I told you, here's a gay black amputee that's fronting this band, you'd be more interested in seeing that. If you had a, if you, if you had a situation that had a, uh, 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 someone that, you know, it was completely unexpected front person because of either what they're, uh, you know, for whatever reason, it's not, the, if you defy expectation, that's going to be a lot more interesting to a lot of people. Yeah, well, listen, I, I think, I understand what you're talking about in terms of just having anything that makes you stand out. It's part of your story. story and uh, it can be this kind of marketing point or, you know, listen, I think there are advantages and disadvantages. You know, I, I remember... You know, I was filling in for Darkest Hour. We, our last show was in Austria. And we're loading out the venue, and there's some guy giving uh, Larissa, the singer from Venom Prison, like shit. Basically, he's like, you know, women shouldn't be in bands, in metal bands. And, like, I had to, like, you know, almost punch this guy in the face, you know? Like, so, yes, does that band get probably a lot of attention because they have a female singer who is attractive? Of course. But then you have shit like that. 
that you know what I'm saying? Oh, there's no question that it's difficult for people for a variety of different reasons that are coming into this from a different perspective. But I'm talking about what's more interesting and where music's headed. And you were saying, like, let's go back to the question of, is rock music evolving, changing? Are we on the last? No, but no. But what I'm saying is, like, if I'm 15 years old and I like music and I say, hey, that's something I'd like to do. Is it dumb to start a band? Is it, or should I just like, cause you, you, you see how it is. You see how they do right. behind the scenes. They want right. to, they want to basically find a band that has a little success, but they're hit a, a, a fork in the road. What are the behind the scenes people want to do? They want to find the one te- like super good looking charismatic person, kick everyone out. And then basically put that, have that person be like, put them with songwriters and stuff and spruce it up and realize that it's about the star and the individual or, you know, and not, and this kind of band even thing is kind of antiquated because it's more people to argue okay. with, more yeah. bullshit, you know, or, you know, genre wise, you know, it's like, like Anthony Martini, you know, you know, who was with E-Town and he, he got into managing, he managed Behemoth and, terror and all his bands the next thing he did he managed he started managing hip-hop artists and the the first show he ever got for the his his hip-hop artists they made ten thousand dollars on their first show they ever did and he he's like you know how hard it is to get a metal band to make ten thousand dollars and it's just like is it even worth it should we all just become soundcloud rappers and djs so let me give me let me answer a, a few of those different questions that are packed into one. Uh, if you said, "Is is rock dead?" like Gene Simmons, circa two thousand sixteen. Not that it's dead, dead, but is it is it is the likelihood? Because I think on, in, a, in some ways, my band gave a lot of people hope. That you know, a bunch of dudes it's in their your mid thirties. That the Rainbow Bar and Grill still has a bunch yeah. of dudes in the back patio. That, that there's that a bunch of guys in their mid thirties who were probably washed up to a bunch to a certain crowd of people who like to be who like to call people washed up could become the breakout rock metal hybrid band of a certain you know to, to, you know we 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 gave a lot of people hope that it can be done. It's an incredible story. It's really excited, and it really helped my career. To be honest with you, to be associated with that success, and I can tell you that it was uh, uh, yes. It gives a lot of people hope. In some ways, it's probably somewhat artificial hope because people will think it's easier or more likely to happen. And you know, it's not about who you know. Like, there's a lot of factors that came together there to make that possible. Right. Most importantly, is Doc Coyle uh, and his incredible status. And, and uh, presence. Well, most importantly, yeah, I put that like, <laughs> number exactly. to 15 a on of, the list. A lot of reasons why that works, but I want to give you the controversial ask, answer to the to the question you asked me: Is rock dead? All right, is not there, really the question I was asking, but okay, okay. But it could a brand new band come out of the box doing uh, uh, traditional rock music like it was when I was a kid? Uh, with no gimmicks and no hooks and nothing, and just playing cool riffs and good rock and roll songs, right? On the one hand, hooks, yo, they can't. Everyone's got to have hooks. Come on, man. I meant no gimmick hooks, oh, okay. no no marketing hooks. That's what yeah. I mean, right? There's nothing that you could say is some you know uh, elevator speech in two sentences that makes you go, oh shit, I gotta hear that, right? Uh, right? Okay. What? Yeah, that's probably pretty rough. I hear stuff sometimes. That sounds like a wannabe Guns N' Roses or Aerosmith or Motley Crue, 
from, you know, and they're playing ultimate jam night or at their whiskey or whatever. They're sending me those things. And I'm like, you know, yeah, where do I start? Yeah, it's good, but it's not really to the times. It's out of date. It's not, it's not, you know, it's like CGI music that today. Give you a counter to that. The, you probably saw, the, say Greta Van Fleet. Yeah. Or, and that, that became the biggest selling new so rock that, band in years. Oh, yes. What, let, if you want to break down why is Greta Van Fleet, like, or something like, uh, uh, the struts, or, people listen right? to them, they sound yeah. like Queen. So, why is that kind of some of it works? There is a market for good looking people that really capture the vibe of that stuff because, frankly, on Spotify and streaming and in touring and stuff like that, you know what really does well? It's not pop and hip hop that come and go that have a that are super massively flame out popular real quick and then goes away. Rock fans hang around; they listen to this shit forever. And the value of like catalogs of Guns N' Roses and Aerosmith or even Five Finger Death Punch and Motley Crue is is way greater than somebody who had a pop hit and went away, right? And there's an evergreen status in the streaming. Uh, uh, Goldman Sachs recently said we're going to have double the streaming income by 2030. And if you look at the stuff that consistently does well over time, it's rock stuff. And that's why when you go to live and you go to see Live Nation, you get all those rock bands that are playing amphitheaters summer after summer after summer. But someone had a huge pop hit now, five years later, no one cares about. They're not doing that for 20 I think it depends on who. I think I think you're being a little bit reductive because I, you know, I, I don't – I think that's even an old way of looking at it. I mean, look at Justin Bieber. When did he come out? 15, 20 years ago, he's just as popular as he ever was. Um, Eminem came out in the late 90s. He's literally... Did you hear the new Eminem album? Yeah, it's amazing. Nobody, nobody told me. I think I missed it somehow in January. And the other day, it came up on my out. I was like, oh, shit, there's an Eminem album. And so only in the last couple of days, he's got the beard going, kind of like you looking like right now, Doc. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm it's, like, these songs are awesome. these are rad, man. But that's what. But I, I, I think that you're in the pop world, and I, and I think pop. I use that in the the big tent uh, sense, not necessarily pop in terms of its tonality. Um, it's just I, anything that's popular at a, at at a given time. I think you have X amount of the artists that are going to last forever. Whether you know, like you know, Elton John, or you know you know, Celine Dion or Whitney Houston or something like that. Like, you know, Whitney Houston passed away, but there's no reason, like, she wouldn't be the icon forever. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's just some yeah. people that they, they, they might not be number one on the charts, but their stature kind of never really goes away. And so is Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer. Of course. Or, uh, or you know. Blah, yeah, but that's still in the, but I still, but your premise was that rock fans stick around and it's it's a it's a bit, it's not as much, really big and it disappears. I think one hit wonders and things of that nature exist all across the spectrum, you know? Um, yes. So, so, but there but is I, a die card, a die hard community though. Two things I want to say on that. And then I'll let, uh, uh, like there's a die hard community of rock fans. And I had the great pleasure. And I know you've done this before. I think the year before the last thing I, the last cool thing I really did before that crank that thing was, I, and I, I, I was so reluctant to do it, and I was so well, not unsure of myself. And I went on that ship rock cruise, dude. Yeah. Oh my god, that was fun, dude. Ship rock was great. <laughs> those people love rock and roll. Yeah, though, and that those. Are, great. Yeah, <laughs> there, there's, it's a, it's a great audience, you know. Too, like I said, un unfortunately, you know, it's, it's not cheap to go on something like that. 
Uh, mm-hmm. So the type of clientele that goes on there is, you know, has enough, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, income, extra income to do things like that. But they're, you know, I noticed about Shiprock, a lot of those fans, man, they've been going for years. They've been going for years. And they they're very much, I love the respect factor. Like, because they're in close contact with all the artists, they're not, they're not punishers. They're actually very respectful of the environment. And I found that to be really cool. Dude, it was so much fun. I had like seven of my bands on the trip and it was just awesome. And those fans just love, 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 love. And if you're a rock band that's from that community in any way, if you ever played the machine shop or something, <laughs> they absolutely love you. And that's what I'm talking about, about this people never go away. And then, you know, on a much smaller note, a different note, uh, one of the bands that sort of uh, had sort of only a certain level of success that I've been trying to help is called Them Evils. And I was just before this podcast, I was looking at, they put out a song during coronavirus, no label, whatever, and they just put it up there. And it's doing pretty well, man. And there's like some people, it's clearly going to be their biggest song. And uh, like, it just got added to Octane Test Drive or something. And it's straightforward. What label are they on? None. None. No label. Awesome. It just on the upload it myself label, right? And it got added to Octane. They have Shannon Guns from SiriusXM as their manager. And uh, Kevin Thrasher Gruft and Jim Kaufman helped him produce the track. And it's just something that when the coronavirus hit and everybody's staying at home, I got on the phone with these guys. And I was like, guys, we got to release the track. (laughs) We did. Yeah. You know? And it's just now, but that what they got to do is follow that up and they got to release another one, another one, another one. And that's about as meat and potatoes, old school rock and roll as, as I'm working with right now. And there is an audience for it. It just might not be the same audience as Kendrick Lamar or Bruno Mars. Well, I just, I just look at it in, in the, the framework of obviously when you're in a quote unquote band, you have this kind of diffusion of decision-making, right, which frustrates some people, this idea of the democratic kind of, we have to go through four or five people to make a decision as opposed to one, you know, spreading, you know, money once you're, you know, people look at a, a quote-unquote profitable tour and merchandise and all stuff, and like, once you pay all the bills, then what you have left over, you got to split it that many ways. And yeah, it's not, if you were asking about my thoughts on that, I mean, there's not a lot of mouse. To, I mean, there's, there's not as much money in general. And when you split it in five ways, that can be pretty brutal, right? Let's say, let's take your typical hundred percent, right? hundred percent comes in. And uh, after a af, hundred percent of the net, after you've done all this stuff, but let's say you go and you got to pay commissions and you got to save money for taxes and then you're dividing this between five ways, right? So even if 100% before commissions or taxes or anything, you're dividing it five ways, that's, you're starting from a baseline at 20%. And let's say you're the superstar. One band has two or three superstars or whatever it is, and a couple of guys that are sort of supporting players, let's say. They, uh, uh, you know, the old school all for one, one for all, we split everything equally, can be can result in that superstar's bank account looking a little different than if the superstar said, I'm going to be everything and I'm going to just pay these guys to, to be in my band. And uh, uh, sadly, I think the era, I think you've seen a lot of your heroes from the 80s and 90s where they get to a certain age in life and they don't have any money, right? And they say, uh, how come 
you know, it's so lean. And certainly that same pie is a lot bigger for one or two people if they're not sharing it with three or four others, right? Now, is it necessary to share it with three or four others? I think it depends on the situation. I think it depends on who's bringing what to the table, what the responsibilities are, what that particular band or artist needs. Certainly in the pop world, you see, and you and I have talked about this, when you see, uh, we talk, uh, I've used Kemlick Lamar or Bruno Mars or Kanye West or, 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 or you know, Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears. It's always a person, Katy Perry, right? Yes, but, there's, but, there's, but there's also, a, but here's the thing about those. So to me, like the pop world, is like a Fortune 500 company, right? They get seed money, you know, they get investors so that they can like, hey, we need to like, you know, build the offices and have cash flow. So they get all this and then they, so, so the thing is, if, if you're a pop artist and you're saying, I'm not gonna have a band, I'm gonna be the person, then you have to, then you, one person has to raise capital to produce the records and make the videos. And then once you go on tour, you need to have enough money to actually pay everyone because it's, you know, music is inherently communal and interdependent, right? Like I can't, unless I'm some like literal, so you've seen these artists who like, they'll like make the music with like looper pedals and then sing on top of it. Unless you're someone like that, (laughs) you're like James Taylor and you can just go out there or Billy Joel and just play by yourself, it's all you about it's all about collaboration. But it's this but it's this weird thing of being like, well, I'm the head hot show and I'm the big I'm the big shit. But I actually need you. But I need you. Right, so Rihanna Rihanna's guitar player, you know who that was, you know. right? Yeah, right. So he's one of the great shredders of the '80s, and he's out there with her. And maybe he's got a little bit more of a star profile. But I wonder what percentage of the people that buy tickets to a Rihanna concert give a shit whether Nuno's the guitar player. It's well, it's not about that. It's that Nuno's Nuno. And here's the thing: Nuno didn't he didn't like show up on day one and help make a record and help produce it and help do it. no no she was already rihanna and she could go out and say i'm putting a band together and i'm and i can afford to pay for the best musicians out there and to me that's something different but i'm i'm talking about the day one scenario all right so because it, it, yeah. it's day one and i'm a pop artist i still need all these motherfuckers to do shit but i don't have no money so this means I gotta find a rich motherfucker to invest in this so that I can pay people. But a lot of times what people do is they'll get people to like do shit for them when they need them and they don't have a lot of money. And then they, they you know, they kind of make these deals and then shit changes. And then and they're like, yes, you you're an employee now. I'm like, I'm like, last <laughs> week, you needed my ass. You didn't have no money. I was over here just being, do you know what I'm saying? Like, welcome, so. welcome to life, Doc Coyle. It's a big, bad, cold, cruel world. And yeah, people change and people use people and step over people. And it sucks, man. And being a good human being is one of the reasons why you've got so many people that like you and feel good about you. I, I you know, I'm in a tough job. Sometimes I'm the hatchet man with a band. But I got to tell you, it, to be completely honest with you, I got a big heart. and I love people and I want to see everyone succeed. And you know, hopefully there's room for all of us. But like, for example, you're talking about pop bands. Didn't you grow up in, in New York City when Lady Gaga was working her way up? No, I mean, I was in New, Jer- I was in New Jersey. Okay. I, mean, I think, right? you know. But like a lot of these people did do that hustle, right? Before they became the super, super, superstar that there is today. And, and frankly, I think that 
you, you, the best thing you said, it's like a startup company. It's like a, a corporation. When you have a startup company, you've got to take on venture capital or you're going to take an investment money because you want to try to get to a certain place. Like you got this idea in order to execute on the idea, you got to take up money. And it's a constant struggle for these companies as they try to grow to like their big IPO or their worldwide success. They're trying to see how much do I take on? How much do I sell equity? How much control do I give over the company? And how much of the, the value of the company am I going to give to somebody else in exchange for that money I need now? So you want to hold on as long as possible and hold it. You know, Today, I don't think that you need to have a band the same way as you used to when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I knew who every member of Motley Crue was. I had, you know, it's Tommy and Vince and, 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 and Nikki and Mick, right? And I got the poster and everyone's in the pictures and stuff like that. Today, I think in hard rock and heavy metal, the expectation is it's a band. So even when it's not a band on, on, on paper, it is made to look like a band with, you'll use a band name instead of an individual. You don't, you don't usually have Ronnie Radke Yes, Corey Taylor can go do a solo album or whatever, but you don't usually have that, right? It's some sort of band name. Um, as a musician and a guy who grew up liking that, watching things like your Shortest Straw video or watching you play with a wedding band or watching some of the, even the old school, like I have a great appreciation for that. There's something very electric, like you said about the chemistry, like a basketball team, when everyone's hitting that note at the same time and that's coming together. And that is probably not going to be as prevalent when you don't have people that play together over a period of time and do things together and work and hone on that chemistry and build that common goal and all that stuff. Right. It's just, you know, more expensive. It might be a nicer ride if we did have that and we had those collaborators and we had that even kind of thing and it might be more expensive. And so it's literally that same war between you know, how many mouths are there to feed? How much can we take on? How much, could, how much money is there now and how much is there going to be? And what can we do to grow that pie? And who do we need on the team? And what are we willing to give up? And it, it's, it's a huge part of what I do is dealing with those questions and those issues every single day. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's, it, it's funny looking at bands, how they evolve you know, and usually these issues are the things that break bands up and, 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 uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's sad, you know, because I, it, I, I'm, I don't know if I told this to you or, or someone on the show where I was, uh, Joe, was it, uh, not Joe Perry, um, Steven Tyler was on Joe Rogan's podcast and he was telling Joe about how, the money is distributed in, in Aerosmith and that it's, he's like, yeah, hey, we're old school. You know, we just split everything five ways. And, you know, this is kind of talking about, you know, cause he does, uh, what was it? America's got talent or American, American Idol. Idol. He did American Idol. Right. You know, and you could tell that in his heart of hearts, he's thinking, he's like, I'm fucking Steven Tyler. And it fucking sucks. That I got that the bass player, gets the same amount of money as me. And it like that when you do everything equal, that has a way of disrupting and making people unhappy. And then when you do things 
more based on merit or like who wrote what or who does more work or who's kind of the star power then that then you then that situation you'd have other people who aren't happy because they feel like maybe it isn't isn't fair so i don't think there's one right way or wrong way so if you start a band tomorrow doc and it was the doc because you're doc from fucking bad wolves right and we talked yeah. about this before let's be let's be transparent here if you're out there and you're going to start a new band or you're going to go do something today you know the experience that you've had with bad wolves and this podcast and some of the other side gigs that you've done you've gotten to a point where you actually are motherfucking dot coil right and you've got a brand and people know who you are and you've got a platform so let's say you go out and you start a band tomorrow, right but you know it's going to be an old school band it's going to be you know we're going to have guitar and bass we have those electric moments that you feel in a rehearsal space that you that are born of true collaboration and brothers you know, eye contact and you feeling the vibe and the hair standing up in your neck and here comes that part and bam let's go and you know here's the mosh part or whatever you know whatever it is right what what are you gonna do are you gonna put together a thing and say we're gonna split all this and we're gonna you know you're gonna take your shot that way or are you gonna do it uh hey this is my scene I'm going to cut people in on different levels depending on what they're bringing to the table what I need um I think there's you know, one, I do think there's kind of healthy compromises on that, you know, for example, like things like publishing, for example, like I think even, you know, it, it depends the kind of band, right? If it's a, if it's a full-time band, right, where that's everyone's main job and that's what they're going to be yeah. doing most of their time out of the year, you know, I think you can't undersell what that commitment actually means. And even if someone, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, on the Bulls, you know, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pitt, maybe they're making the most money, but you know, everyone on the team gets a pension. You know what I'm saying? Everyone on the team yep. gets to fly to the plane, gets to fly on the private plane. Everyone gets access to the doctors and the, the, the facilities. There are, there are definitely things that you – you know, like uh, Rob Arnold, man, from Chimera, man, said one of the things that stuck with me the most about how, why he splits publishing in, in Chimera back in the day, even though he does most of the writing, he's like, he's like, because there's guys in this band that would have quit if they didn't, sure. you know. And so what people kind of fail to think is, is that this concept of fairness, I think is actually really kind of silly because it, it, people want like uh, it's, it's one of the great hypocrisies between the the distance between being a child and adulthood is that when you're a kid you have this kind of unknown fucking inherent wisdom right where you see something you'll go mommy it's not fair and then what does your mother say life isn't fair and then what happens you grow up and you're a kid you grow up to be an adult and you realize oh half of the things that fucking adults complain about is that shit isn't fair. This isn't fair. That's not fair. Right, right. right. Um, so what, what, what I think the, you know, like I said, I started in a very old school band where it was everything is, you know, everyone, everything is, every, is everyone, you know, but, you know, God forbid really did start, you know, we, we, we composed in the room. With everyone, right. you know what I'm saying? Right. That's that's that's. You what came from an era. Remember when I said earlier uh, uh, that things were different? You quibbled with me a little, but I said the uh, heavy metal music wasn't as open to different voices or different faces or different inclusiveness. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, whether it was sound wise or whether it was 
uh, uh, diversity issues, those things evolved over time a little bit, right? Yeah. There was a time where you were in a band, God forbid, and it was a talking point to color your skin. Whether you, whether it was always a talking point, yeah, but it was it, something, right? It was it, it, it was made, definitely a talking point, but I don't think it was ever like I don't feel like we ever walked into a venue and the fucking record scratched and everyone looked at us. It was you know <laughs> it was the hard. <laughs> we we came, walked into the venue and melted faces. We came, you know, the hardcore scene was extremely inclusive and and really cared about um, social issues, and I think that was a very comfortable. Like I said, we we didn't fit in because we were so metal. In the hardcore world, people—that was the thing that <laughs> probably is our, our biggest thing. Probably, you know, less less so than our, than our skin color. But um, trying to go back to what I was saying about this idea about starting a band today. You yeah, know, yeah. I think so, I think that. Yeah, I, I want to say two things here. We live in an era now. Back in that day, when you were doing God forbid, you all went in a room and you wrote that. It was also a thing that I perceived that whether it was Metallica or Iron Maiden, I expected these fucking guys to write their own songs. Right yeah. today, it's not like that. It's the producer. It's the hip hopification of rock. You've got a producer that comes in that builds tracks sometimes in the same way. Look at bands like Bring Me the Horizon. Look where they started and look where they are today. Do you have like a Bring Me the they Horizon? They write. They write their own songs, but they of have a they producer. Do. They have but a producer in the band. Sound wise, sonically, if you yeah. listen to what they're doing sonically, and you have someone who's doing that type of music sonically, and they're and a lot of that's built by a producer or co-writes and that kind of stuff. And that culture, let's call it co-write culture in hard rock, yeah. right? As people, I don't know how much you want to pull back the veil, but not in, in the old days, a band, Metallica, I expect, I don't know, because I'm not inside, but I expected, they wrote the shit together in a room like you did. did. In today's hard rock, as you know, when we look at the charts, a lot of these tracks, not all of them, not, you know, maybe there's the highly suspects or the bringing her out, you know, whatever. But some of these guys are working with producers that are writing some of the shit, or some of these guys are working with outside collaborators and stuff like that. And when you have a sound, there are many bands that your fans listen to. I can promise you, some of these people didn't play on the record. Some of these people didn't write the stuff. And some of them, you can't even really hear it live. There's so much tracks. So if yeah. you've got a bass player, and I don't want to pick on bass players, I love great bass playing, right? <laughs> but if you've got a bass player that's buried in the mix or doesn't even really perform on the thing because it's really the producer playing it, they didn't write a lot of songs and they didn't, uh, uh, and they're not selling tickets in a way that it's not like someone's buying a ticket to come see them, although there may be an expectation that it's cool they're all in the band together. Is that is that fair? What is fair in that situation in terms of splitting well, yeah. So, so like I said, I, I think the the matter of which, like I said, this this key thing of like, yo, man, you're out there every day, you know. And if that listen, and and that's the touring side of it. If it, if if it's time to make a record, and the bass player never shows up, or a guitar player never shows up, the drummer never shows up, and it's the one main person in the in the group with a producer making the whole record, and you kind of sit at home and wait till everything be done. That's one thing. View P like I said, if you if you're not Trent Reznor, right? Trent Reznor can yeah. say, you know what? I'm going to the studio. I'm gonna play every instrument. I'm gonna write all the music. I'm gonna do all the vocals, and I literally don't need anyone. Or you know, Devin Townsend, another example, this guy who can just go. A Wall Nation. Aaron yeah. Bruno is A Wall Nation. Okay. So if you're not that person, and you need other people to create stuff, then you have to respect that. 
and you, and you have to, is it, it's, it's just about acknowledging people's fundamental humanity and not treating people like they're fucking tools. I'm not just a or fucking fungible or, yeah. or yeah. And respecting people and their worth is, is you're absolutely right. Now more than ever, we all need to think about each other and humanity, put our arms around each other, give people the respect they deserve their, their, and their worth. You're right. Using people or misleading people or stepping over them to get somewhere higher on the rung or hoarding money for yourself or cutting out somebody. Yeah, that's, those, are, those are ugly qualities or potentially ugly qualities in people. The music business is chock full of those situations, right? But there's another way to look at all of this. And it's like, look, that each person has to decide what does their project look like. Everybody needs, if you're going to build a live show, you need live musicians. Live musicians deserve a lot. They bring a lot to the table. The question is, who is what is the equity? How do you want to divide it? And these are really difficult issues. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, uh, the vibe. We come from rock and roll. We come from rock world where there's an expectation that this is presented as a band. This is five dudes that are all for one, one for all. That's how I grew up. I thought they were all friends, everyone in it together, us against the world. And, you know, would I do that if I was in a band? I'd seriously think about it because you're right, especially in the beginning, that's, that's hard. I just get... I still I, think it's I'm the best gonna, way. I'll be honest. I, I, I do think it's the... If you want, to me, it's like, if you want to be in a band, some people are in a band because they can't... They rely on other people... You know, and then yeah. they kind of change their mind. Like, you know what? I don't really want to be a band, but I need these people. But to me, I believe it's like uh, Paul McCartney had a great quote about this, about, you know, he's like, you can say whatever, but, you know, I, you know, I do this because I love my fucking band. And he's had the same band forever because he he understands, man, there's something about a group of individuals who have chemistry that takes that you develop over a period of time and like i said he could hire anyone to do anything he you know what i'm saying he could hire the the most skilled but it's there's there's something about that element and i think about all these bands out but, there but where Doc, Doc, i'm sure paul mccartney's not cutting those guys in on an equity basis on an equal basis well, no 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 but here but i imagine they're probably the most well-paid band <laughs> out there but the thing is but that's okay you know why because if I'm a hired, right, if I get hired to play in Paul McCartney's band, it was his work over years and years and years that built it to the point. So there's no reasonable expectation that anyone should be getting some piece of some pie that you had nothing to do with it. If I'm like, like Devil Driver, for example, like John and a couple of guys leave. And if you're a new member and Devil Driver's been busting their ass and writing records and hitting the road for 15 years and you're the new guy, why should you expect on day one that you're going to get equal what someone else done when completely, they completely agree. So that's you're a, talking about the guys that were there day one, right? And let's yeah. say today, how about this twist? Because you've actually now drilled down and really focused me on exactly what you were trying to get to. And I appreciate you hanging in there to do it. But here's what, what happens in coronavirus world where you can't tour for the next year? And, and if these people aren't really writing the songs and you can do everything on a computer with the thing and it's all going to be over the internet anyway, yeah, all of a sudden uh, those ex, those other people in the band 
I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe. It, yeah, but that's, but here's the thing, Eric, that's what publishing is for publishing. So it's to me, I have no problem with, for example, like, uh, you know, if I, if I didn't write on a song, I honestly don't, I never expect to get published on a song. I didn't write. I just don't. Right. But I do, you know, like some bands, they'll like always kick back just a little because they want those people to like have that peace of mind, right? That's how some 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 bands do it, you know. Um, and so I had a guy last night or two nights ago, very famous, very big band uh, uh, that looked at some old publishing splits. Something came up. Somebody wanted them to put a song in a, a sync license, and the email came through and it showed the splits. And, the, and this vocalist saw what the splits were and saw that uh, uh, a, a drummer was getting the same as they, and they had really never paid attention to that. And they yeah. were like, well, I did this and I wrote that. And I said, this is equal. They're just all yeah. equal. Yeah, but a lot of that, but I think a lot of that is it tells you about how that person sees the world. Guns and Roses, right? Uh, Steve Adler got equal pub, you know, on, uh, you know, Appetite. And I think he played, even played drums on a few of the songs on, uh, on Use Your Illusion. And for someone like that, that is a light that saves that guy's life, that keeps him a roof over his head, that keeps food in his mouth for the rest of his life. That extra 20% isn't going to change Axl Rose's fucking life at all. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I do. that's what, you know, but if you're like a greedy person who just, I think a lot of it is just greed and some people need to hoard and like they need, it's like that some people just need the big piece of chicken. Just to <laughs> you're you're such a you you say this so eloquently and you make me really feel what you're saying and I I think that there's something to be said for being generous right especially in yeah in you gotta think in, in, a, in a moment, it's like what inclusive dude Steven Tyler is does not need any more money to like unless he's done really dumb things with his money and squandered it but I imagine the money he's making from things like American Idol are literally just going to help his children and grandchildren. You but you're talking saying? about, yeah, you're talking about bands that make it to a certain point and there's now generational wealth and you're like, oh shit, they didn't really need that money. But that's what I'm saying. I'm but it's, it's about, about the, but for, but for people, the people who bitch about that, for them, it's about the principle. It's like, I'm the guy and I did this and you did, you know what I'm saying? And they're, they're into this like petty bullshit that like literally. It's something, it's something that can feel like it comes from a bad place of humanity. Yeah, it's, it's about their right? internal... Dude, the reason why he brought it up is that it bothers him. It's like, he's like, I'm... Like, it's this idea that I'm a little... I'm, a little, I'm worth more than you. And, I, and, I, yeah. and it kind of pisses me off that you're walking... And listen, maybe that band member, maybe they didn't work as hard. And maybe some of that is only because of their role, right? right? Like, like certain members of bands they get asked to do more interviews and they get asked to do more appearances. And, and it's only because, so it's like the thing. well, you're doing more work, but it's by virtue of just who you yeah. are. Not because Some people that person, aren't even given the opportunity. To exactly. Do that, right? Exactly. So There's I can't, no question. and I can't speak to that. I'm sure there are many, and I call this like the kind of uh, the welfare queen myth kind of like vibe of like, I guarantee you there are members and bands who got equal publishing on huge records who just sucked, who were lazy and showed up late <laughs> to practice and were assholes and made everyone's life a, a living hell. And everyone wishes, like, God damn, it doesn't suck that that asshole gets 
a piece of the pie. But maybe they got kicked out after the second record. Yeah, exactly. And I and I'm sure those. And here's the thing: generational wealth, guys that have made a ton of money and their grandkids, grandkids are going to go to private school. They may not, right? That's different. I'm talking about how about the guy that's 45 or 50 years old that's busted his ass that had some hits, but you know, maybe some bad business decisions or the uh, changing tastes or whatever. And hasn't really, you know, they had some shit at one time and now they look at their shit and they go, Oh my God, I only have X. Why don't I have, X plus. Why don't I have double that or triple that or quadruple that if I hadn't mm-hmm. given it to that asshole who I don't even talk to anymore who really didn't do the work or write the song or whatever? You know what I mean? So yeah, and that's but that's even that I think is a broken kind of mentality. Like like I said, stop spending today fighting yesterday's wars. It's yep. such, it's two things. Two things. No one's coming to save you, right? No one's coming to save you. So that well, the reason I say that it's all on you, man. You it's up to you. There's no divine right to success and you're either going to live or die or make it or figure it out and smart people figure it out and do, and, and, and also coming to the table with baggage. When I get a new guy coming to my office or on my phone, Hey, let's work together. And they've got all this baggage. This guy did this or that guy that, like, Oh my God, I don't care. And I don't want to hear it. It's like, I don't want to work with you. Because you're this, you're all, and I see these young guys, dude, that are lording over. I see real small bands that are calling me up and they'll be like, yo, man, I would, uh, this person split this and that, and I want to fight this, and I want to have, and I'm like, yo, yeah. How yeah. about we figure out if anybody gives a shit at all about yeah. any of this before we trip over each other or fight to split up nothing? It's the bitter, listen, it's, it's the bitterness kind of gene that is very pervasive in, you know, I talk about it all the time about a certain type of musician, usually of a certain age, but I'm amazed at how many um, of the musicians actually get bitter at a young age, you know, like 25, because they're, you know, unfortunately a lot of people, uh, they're a little entitled partially because, you know, I'd say it's the curse of talent. Like some people think just because they're talented that they are, worth or they deserve blank and in the like in a vacuum i um i understand that but it's just not the way the world works talent's the ticket to entry that's the story yeah that's, you get to come to the you get to play the game well listen, I, I feel like I've, I've just been just been not good enough to never get mad when something didn't work out like i always feel like whatever i got is a win and, you know, but I'll talk about this concept real quick uh, before we go about this kind of this example you brought up of someone who's mad that they didn't get blank is that some people perceive uh, things they didn't get. Right. So let's say, oh, I'm, I made a hundred thousand off over maybe over the course of 20 years from publishing from this this album. But if I would have um, gotten that person's percentage would have been 200,000. And they actually perceive something they didn't get as a loss, right? So instead of saying, I got $100,000, they view it as I actually lost $100,000. And I just want to point out, that is one of the most toxic mental kind of things. It's like, you are going to be so angry at life if you always look at things like that of like, well, I lost it, but it's like, you didn't. You can't lose something you never had, okay? If someone comes in your house and takes $10 out of your wallet, then you lost $10. But missing out on something because 
you made a mistake or you the you butterfly know. effect for the one of a nailed uh, a horse and you don't know if what would happen if things were different and you can always try to say that it may be this or that or whatever here's the honest truth that bitterness is never going to get anyone anywhere it's a waste of my freaking time and yours and everyone else so when somebody's coming to the table like you said bitching about what happened years ago and why they didn't get theirs it's probably not the for the you know it, it's got to there's got to be a lot of other compelling things reasons why I want to deal with it's that the person. biggest career killer ever I see people hung up on things and I'm like I'm like and as long as they think that way they're going nowhere and no matter how good they are no matter how good they are because they're literally just setting up roadblocks in their own way and it, and it so, blows so me up. Look, you don't, the guitar tech's not in a band as a, on an equity member, or the artist usually that draws the album cover, but sometimes they are. Sometimes the Grateful Dead had a lyricist, Robert Hunter. You know Painted Wives? There's yeah. a guy in the band that is the, uh, uh, that, that is the uh, lyricist. And yeah, and a lot of, and a lot of bands a, that can afford to keep, keep their crew on retainer as well, so. There, there's a, a the, the Who, the producer, is part of the band that he's, he's not a guy that's on stage or tours or whatever. If you remember like uh, trans Siberian orchestra or like, there's a lot of these projects that have people that aren't even on stage. Will Putney and, with, uh, yeah. the, with, um, you know, fit for an autopsy. He's in the band, but he doesn't tour with them. So every situation you have to take a look. And as you're starting out your small business, your company, you have to say, who are we going to dial in on an equity basis and who's going to be an employee? Is the receptionist going to own stock or is the receptionist just going to get a salary to work there? And you look at each role and you figure out who, what do we need? What is important to this project? What is this project? Is it a duo? Is it, a, you know, hey, it might be a duo, but we might have a horn section sometimes or backup singers or strings or, you know, and the thing is we just were raised so much to think that rock and roll was guitar, lead guitar, rhythm guitar, bass, drums, vocals, right? And that all of those people are equally valid or potentially equally valid and, and uh, are, are, should receive a cut. And there is an expectation in rock sometimes that that is the case. Yeah. But the economics, as the pie smaller and smaller and smaller, it gets tougher and tougher and tougher to have so many mouths to feed. So, yeah, and yeah. I, just, I say just the main thing is just to be transparent and let people and say whatever just you structure you decide to do just make sure everyone understands and is okay with it and says hey this is how we want to do it what do you are you okay with this and if you're not okay with it then let's figure out something that we can that can work or maybe just this isn't the right situation you know that so, what you said i think that applies to life right be transparent and as you go every chance you get and you're involving different people on a mission or a journey or a business or a project, being transparent with those people and making sure that everybody understands their role and is well-defined. That's kind of my job, right? So that yeah. people understand the expectations, everything's clearly set forth. So later, gosh forbid, no pun intended, there is success that is worth dividing and fighting over. We already have it figured out from day one what's what is the situation and you're right unmet expectations are the key to frustration and managing, and managing expectations you know your your own and and for and if you're in any position where you have authority over people one of your responsibilities is to manage expectations don't if someone thinks they're making 
$1,000 a week on a tour, but you can only pay 500 Make sure that they understand that before they fucking get on the tour bus. <laughs> it's called leadership. Look, exactly. So exactly. when you make that great big band, and uh, uh, and and I can't wait to see what uh, Doc Coyle has in store, but obviously you're sitting here with, I think, the number two song in the country, right? Yeah, now. don't be kicking and, me out of the band yet, Jesus. <laughs> and he just put out a lyric video uh, for another new single, and there's, there's a lot of great stuff coming from Bad Wolves World. But if you ever find yourself in a situation where you want to build another project again, I do. I, I would like to be in your band, and I don't mean that literally, but if I was a musician, I'd want to be in a band with a guy like you because you're smart, you got a heart, you're, you understand the value of people, you're looking, you know what the chemistry, you know, Vegas Nerf and that whole project that we've discussed. I mean, that, that was a band for all the right reasons, right? You were doing some things. Playing yeah, music. I purposely did, did the band um, out of kind of this feeling of, of, brotherhood and art and not thinking about commerce and, 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 and any of that. And that's like I said, it was a, we did one EP, four songs, um, but we worked really hard on it. And the guys in the band are, I'm still close with and we, we stay in touch and we see each other. Can, and we, can you buy that EP right now somewhere? I think you should pimp yeah. that right now. The thing is amazing, dude. That, yeah. That's a great record. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like I said, I'm not the greatest at like promoting myself. I should probably start like promoting it more. And I'm, you know, but, um, but yeah, it's called Visceral, and um, and I'm trying Make to get a video. Well, actually, it's funny you think about that because we have an acoustic version of the song. Like, oh, we should just record like a little acoustic video of us uh, playing it and put it out. Let's see how we can do that. Are there Vegas Nerve socials and stuff like that? Because yeah, I but know. they're not really active though. You know, let's make them active. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I got. I'm doing social. Social media is like fucking is the curse, man. It's just it's too much. Like I spend half my fucking day like when I'm actually doing it right it's just like it's so much it's your it's your job it sucks so you know we'll see we'll see well anyway whenever you embark on that mission again i do think that you've you've worried about these things and stressed these things and thought about them in a kind uh uh, uh humanitarian type way and you will value people properly and you'll probably be a very good leader does everybody come to the table with that level of uh, humanity, intellect, emotional, uh, you know, br you know, some people are just, you know, it's, it's just, they're just hiring motherfuckers and trying to, trying to make a buck, you know, and uh, where, who I'm dealing with, if someone's my client, I need to talk to them. I need to figure out what this is and who's important and who's part of it. And yeah, it's every single time. It's totally different. So the big answer to the very basic question that we tried to tackle here today in a new rock band given where the state of the genre given where the money is uh when you're coming together and it's five guys can you make it of course you can do you uh at the beginning it doesn't matter who you split things with because there's no money and 20 percent of zero is still zero and so is 50 Too right true. it's only if it makes money does it really matter yeah yeah well well eric i think that's a great place to to wrap it up i want to really appreciate you uh taking your time to be a guest on, on the show again you know we covered a lot but you know I, I hopefully i think people will get a lot out of this thank you doc i appreciate it you be good take care brother bye-bye right, take care
So that track was entitled Bullet, and it's from my main man, Hiro the Hero, from his 2018 album Flagged Channel. And I played that because Hiro is one of the artists that Eric represents, and he's working very hard for it. And, you know, they're having some success. They're breaking through. And uh, Hiro is just, like, the coolest dude out there, and he works hard, and he's a talented dude. And, I, you know, I like, like I said, this is, this is the, the week of giving. That's, that's what we're doing out here. And, you know, speaking of giving, you know, I hope... You feel like you were given something in that conversation. Like I said, I, I do feel like Eric is a is a fountain of knowledge, and I love, I love just going back and forth, and uh, you know, ch- you're just just kind of squeezing every little bit of uh, knowledge out of that brain of his, and it's always it's always a fun time. Like I said, me and him, we literally have to like shut it down because we'll we'll go for hours on our own. So hope you enjoyed that. Thank you to Eric for taking your time, as always. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been it's been a fun week, you know. Hard hard for me to keep these these shows short, but you know, it's just how it goes sometimes, y'all. The boys get their, their mouths running, and it is what it is. But you know, I had, I had a little revelation this week. I wouldn't say it was a revelation; it was just something I thought was funny. You know, may, maybe it's a little bit, you know, for for these times. I don't know if it's, it's PC, but you know, like I was like, there was a, like a Chris Rock joke, right? When he was talking about, uh, he's like, when are white people allowed to use the n-word right and he was really, really talking about it he's like he called it like the dr dre song test you know like if so if you're in the club and you know the dr dre song, song comes on when can you say the n-word you know and i was like you know and he had this kind of theory and it was yeah i was like you know i don't i don't really care about that you know if you sing along the song and if, it, if it's in the song I don't, I don't really care but i actually have a, have a new rule you know is when i think white people can say the n-word Right. And so it it dawned on me when I was watching Donald Trump give one of these interviews. Now, now when you see Donald Trump give an interview, there's kind of two kinds of interviews. OK, there's like when his boy is interviewing, you know, like Sean Hannity. And it's just like, you know, he's just like serving him ice cream. You know, it's just it's all it's all it's it's all good. It's like it's like like a question would be like, how fa- unfair is the mainstream media to you, sir? And then, you know, because like something like that. But then sometimes Trump will get interviewed by, you know, like a real reporter and they'll like, they'll be grinding them, right? And sometimes Trump will give a crazy ass answer, you know, just a just like crazy. And then you'll see the white dude interviewing him and he'll have this look on his face like, what the hell is going on? And I believe in that time, that is the one time if you're a white person and you're interviewing Trump, Donald Trump, you should be allowed to be like, nigga, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't know. I think it's a great compromise. You know, so uh, so feel free, reporters of the world. 
uh, if you get a chance, uh, white reporters, excuse me, if you get a chance to interview Donald Trump, uh, use the N-word upon him in confusion if you feel so compelled. Well, that pretty much wraps up this week of <laughs> the X-Men podcast. I hope you, you guys had fun. Uh, I've got a lot of great interviews coming up. I kind of realized before, like, I can't just, um, you know, announce guests before I do the interview. Because I, I said I was going to get Jackie, Full Battle Jackie on here. And that ended up not happening. So I feel bad about that. But I have got some other interviews. I got Rich Ward from Fozzie, Stuck Mojo coming up. And some more that I have booked. Like I said, I'm not going to talk about them before I actually do them. So thank you so much for tuning in. Tell your friends. Tell your mama. Tell your daddy. X-Man's back. Mama out. Oh, and NBA is back. I was watching that shit all weekend. And that shit was great. Watching it today. LeBron James. Mama out. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.